Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Geraint Jones. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming back. If you're a first-time listener, then uh, welcome. Um, what do we do here on the podcast? Well, we get interesting people in, usually veterans. We talk to them about their experiences, try and get the life lessons out of them, and uh, we're trying to have a fucking laugh while we're doing it. Um, we've done 37 episodes with 25 different guests. Did that in 2019, which... Uh, I'm really happy about I'm really pr- proud of the guests and proud of the listeners. Proud of myself too. I'm proud of everybody who's involved in this. Our sponsors. Um it's it's just been it's it's been a great ride so far. And um I like to think that we're refining things as we're going along, finding our groove. Still a learning curve. Definitely, just because we've been going for a year does not mean by any stretch of the imagination that we got stuff figured out. Um but yeah, we're getting there. Um one of the things I wanted to do on this podcast and that hopefully now we start seeing in 2020 is um you know, I've been a listener of podcasts for a long time myself, and I think it's quite sad sometimes, not sad, well, I, not sad, it's not really the right word, but a little disappointing for me when, like, let's say there's an ep- a podcast has been going for a couple hundred episodes, and they've just had set, totally different guests on every time, which can be great, but I like to think, well, where's that person now? Like, you know, they've, they've, they've probably, you know, they're going on a journey themselves. Where are they now? And one of the things I want to do with this podcast is to have recurring guests. So, you know, bringing in new people all the time, but also mixing that up with bringing on people back. So, um, you know, last year we had, um, we've had um, a friend, Alex, kicked off the podcast with us. You know, he's going to be coming back. Um, He's going to be on the next episode. Um, You know, we've had Joe Lynn back. Um, Sean Jones has been on a few times. Um, And when I go over to the States uh, soon, we're going to be getting a few of those guys back on too. Because, you know, we... We change, we change quickly if we're working on ourselves, and and I want you guys to be able to see people's journeys so that you can kind of get some frame of reference for your own. Um, so what's some of the other things we did in 2019? Uh, we did Veteran State of Mind live at the National Army Museum uh, with our guest Dean Stott. Definitely one of my highlights of the year. Um, really enjoyed the conversation with Dean, but also um, it was just you know it's I'm talking to a microphone now, right now. I'm not seeing any of you guys, and it was nice to actually be able to um, you know see people. Um, in the flesh, have a conversation. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, there was a, some drinking conversations too. It was great, and um, I, I'm definitely look, looking to do some more. Um, definitely looking to do some more live events at the National Army Museum in 2020. Uh, well, you know, if you if you've got ideas for anything like that, send them in. Because, like I said before, I'm more than happy to steal your good ideas. So fire them on in. All uh, right. What else did we do in 2019? Uh, we got into bed with the sexy beast that is the Royal British Legion. Um, that's been amazing, uh, and some of our other sponsors—they've—they've they've all been fantastic. Podcast does not happen without them, and I mean that um, because um, you know we want we want to do a high quality podcast in terms of uh, well everything in terms of guests, in terms of sound quality. Um, we want to get more. Um, we're trying to get in twenty twenty. One of the things I want to do is to have the video be a bigger part of it, so that when you're you can when you're watching the video that we're having, like the stuff that we're talking about, people's we'll have people's tour photos and stuff like that on there. But it, this all takes time and it all takes money, um, and so this this does not happen without our um, our sponsors. So it's been a real um, honor having them um, as backing us, uh, particularly because they're all either veteran-owned or affiliated to the military in some kind of way. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened, left reviews, told your friends, and supported the podcast merchandise in 2019. Again, that goes a long way in um, pushing us forward um you know with the reviews like i've said before the more reviews we get 
the more like when if when if it's not a friend of mine that we're introducing to the podcast then it helps a lot to have reviews to be able to say to people like look this is why you should come on to the podcast so thank you so much guys who have left your left your reviews or left comments on YouTube, subscribe to YouTube and all that kind of stuff. All those little those little things they really add up to build up momentum for the podcast. Um, as far as guests go, um, we've got a highly sought after one today. Then next episode we've got um, Alex, aka Pink Miss, back on the show. Um, yeah, he like I said, he helped me kick it off just under a year ago. So um, I felt that it was definitely he was the right guy to come back and. Um, um, and kind of like celebrate our first first kind of birthday, first 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 go round the sun. Um, I'm going to be back in the states for a few weeks soon, uh, so we're going to get a bunch of episodes recorded over there. Going to be getting you uh, U.S. Army Rangers, Marine Corps guys, and uh, maybe a SEAL or a Green Beret thrown in the mix. I'm definitely linking up with Smoke Pit Boys for round two of that. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. That was one of my favorite ones. We had such a laugh. We hungover as fuck, but we uh, I think we came through with the goods. So yeah, awesome year all round. Doesn't happen without you guys. So please keep listening, keep spreading the word, bring your mates. And if you could leave a review or comments and sign up to the newsletter at vsonpodcast.com, then that would be like, oh my God, so fucking cool. Um, So right, I said I was going to read some reviews that you guys left. So here's one from, you know what? Actually, I forgot to say, let's incentivize this a bit. You leave a review and I read it out on the podcast. I'll give you some free shit. Um, not sure what I'll give you. Probably a signed book or some merch. So um, if you're the po- if you're the po- let's we use honesty system here because I'll track you down and um, just give us a shout on social media if I read out your review and we'll go from there. All right. So this one's from Urban Saxon. Started listening a few episodes ago. Fucking hell, he didn't say that. That was me. Started listening a few episodes ago when I recognised the guest I knew. Listen to 10 now and look forward to each new episode. Having served free tours, then got out in 2012 and into The Circuit, I relate well to the topics of discussion and humour. I also have a lot of similar interests and views as Geraint, so it's like listening to a mate. As an avid podcast fan for over 10 years, brackets, Joe Rogan, Ricky Gervais, these are up there with quality and mix of meaningful slash light discussion. Keep it up. I appreciate that, Urban Saxon. Um... And anyone who's out there on the circuit, which uh, means private security work um, for uh, any civilians listening, then, um, yeah, stay low, move fast, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, keep doing what you're doing because, um, obviously, we support all, our, support all our military listeners, first responders too, but, like, the circuit is a big part of our, you know, kind of providing our security around the world. So thank you to all you guys for doing what you do. And Urban Saxon, if you want to give me a shout, mate, we'll give you some free shit. All right. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about the people who make this uh, possible. Please listen and support these guys because they make it happen. Uh, and these two companies right now are veteran-owned. Uh, Zulu Alpha Strap Company is even owned by a Welshman. He might even be the second best-looking man in Wales. But what he is most known for is making bombers watch straps for alley blokes. I've got one myself. Why? Because my last strap wasn't a Zulu Alpha Strap and it broke. But this Zulu Alpha Strap is sexy and sturdy like a German tennis player. If you want to find out more about them, which you do because you're a lovely person and you want to support the people who support this podcast, head to at Zulu Alpha Straps, one word, on Instagram. Uh, I also tag them in my Veteran State of Mind posts, so look for them on there. Our next sponsor is also veteran-owned, although it might not be for long because I'm meeting up with him in Vegas uh, for SHOT Show and there's a good chance that neither of us come home from that. 
Uh, it's, of course, camouflage spelt with a K that I'm talking about. An international surveillance and investigations company. Uh, honestly, what camouflage can do is pretty limitless. But let me give you a few examples just to get your brain working. Um, you could have someone making fraudulent claims against you, called camouflage. You want camera gear to secure your home or business, camouflage. Need to track a vehicle without the driver knowing about it, camouflage. Spelt with a motherfucking K. Camouflage.co.uk a stockist of specialist surveillance, outdoor clothing and equipment from the likes of Lawmate, Yukon, TRC Outdoors and Luminae Designs. They also have a service for bespoke handmade ghillie suits and vehicle tracking systems. Check them out at 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 check them out at 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 camouflage limited so it's ltd camouflage but with a k ltd one word um on instagram also tag them in my posts and camouflage spelt with a k on um camouflage.co.uk so go check them out veteran owned operated please support them so today's guest has been one of the most if not the most requested uh guest by you guys he served in sfsg special forces support group and served multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, where he was awarded a mention in dispatches. But what's really impressive about him is the way he so openly and honestly documented his struggles after the military. Um, I'll say no more about that, because he reveals a few details only here that I didn't know coming into the podcast. Uh, All I'll say is that as soon as we got done recording, I had to give the fucker a big hug, uh, because he is a top bloke, and he's one of the veteran state of mind family now. This is actually the first podcast he's ever done, so I'm really honoured to introduce you to the former Parachute Regiment soldier and current great fucking bloke, Dave Radders Radband. Dave, welcome to the podcast, mate. Cheers for coming in. Yeah, you're right, mate. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's uh, good to have you on at last, mate, because we have had you have been one of the most requested people with a with a, with three requests. <laughs> you have been the most requested uh, guy to come on. Just three, uh, just no. It's only, it's only about three people listening to this, mate. And uh, all three of you, we love you. Um, yeah, no, it's a total waste of time you coming here, mate. <laughs> just wanted to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know if the fucking mics are plugged in, honestly. But uh, now, mate, it's a it's a it's a good one because. Um, You've, we kind of move in the same space as online, uh, obviously, I think in the same direction, both of us are trying to promote good mental health. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, both of us have, uh, I think we're both kind of very open about, um, you get a lot of people going like, the demons, the demons. But it's like, well, as uh, as our guest Vincent Vargas once said, it's like, you got to kind of define your demons first. Because this idea of just demons, like your demon might be drink, your demons might be beating your dog you know and i don't say that lightly i mean some people do that shit yeah and um you know you've been very kind of open about that so i'd like to take this chance mate to thank you for that because it takes a lot of guts i reckon to be it wasn't easy mate when i first came out and done it um and i've done it more you know the the hardest bit about it was the feedback i was going to get from the lads back in the reg um, that was always one of my worries. So you're a, par- you're a parachute regiment? Yeah, well, yeah, one pirate SFSG, yeah. yeah. So it was always one of my worries, the feedback I was going to get from the lads. Um, I think that's, you know, everyone's worry. But at the end of the day, put that shit aside and just do what I feel is right for myself. Yeah. I'm not in that environment anymore. Um, so it's a case of doing what's right for myself. And then it turned into helping other people out. And it just followed on from that, really. I think um, I like that old analogy of you got to put your oxygen mask on first. 
Yeah. You know, for the planes and stuff. Yeah. Because um, the fact is about with soldiers, mate, especially those of us who, you know, in the infantry and that kind of thing, is you have this idea in your head of this, like, heroic ideals about laying your life on the line and courageously, like, fucking charging machine gun nests and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, is, like, you have to, like, with mental health and things, you're fucking no use to no man or beast unless you get your own shit sorted. Yeah. And then by putting that publicly, that will then help other people. And then you can then start to deliberately go after helping other people. Yeah. When did you start, um, when did you start kind of, like, talking, um, like, when did you start, actually, let's start with, like, when did you start talking to yourself about these these kind of issues? Well, I first noticed I had issues uh, around 2011. Um, I was out in Afghan at the time, actually, on my third tour, um, and I'd just been in an ID strike. One of the wagons I was in got blown up. Um, <coughs> it, it, it was a Bushmaster, so that got blown up. Um, and then the next day, I just I remember waking up. We got recovered back to uh, Mob Price. And I remember waking up, and I was, you know, I felt shit. Um, I had anxiety. But another thing is, you don't really know what anxiety is. Yeah. I didn't even know what it was, mate. Yeah. And it was just fear. The best way to describe it was it was fear in my stomach. And I just didn't want to go back out again. Um, and that's when I first realised I had issues. Right. So let's go into your service there, mate. So you joined, what kind of what kind of age were you? Joined at 17. Right. Yeah. Did you, did you go straight to Catrick, did you? Yeah, straight into Catrick, mate. Um, it was like three days before my 17th birthday. Uh, 18th birthday, sorry. Right. Um, I always wanted to be in the parachute regiment. Right. Was that, why, why is that there? Because I live next door to Prize Norton. Oh, base, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, fair, no, fair one. It makes all sense. <laughs> but why wouldn't you? Well, I see these guys cutting around. They just look fucking awesome. Yeah, they have a nice peak. Yeah. They have a nice peak in the berry. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and my dad knew a few of the PJIs, nice. parachute jumping instructors, uh, RF dudes. Um, and they said to me one day, I was, I was about twelve years old. They said, "Do you want to come down and do parachute jump school?" And I thought, "Fucking right, I do." <laughs> 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 so the fan that we jump out of is about what sixty foot. I'd done that when I was twelve years old, and thought, you know. Mate, that's, to be honest, right, these African warlords are onto something when they recruit kids. Because as a kid, you are fearless. Like, there's a reason that, like, fucking young lads die in car crashes and stuff all the time. Because <laughs> you're like, wow, what could go wrong when I overtake on this double blind bend? <laughs> you know, it's, there's a reason behind that. And, like, at 12, is even, you know, it's even, like, fucking more problems. You'll do anything, won't you? You'll yeah. do, it's, it's, it's as you get older and as you've been blown up in a Bushmaster that you yeah. start to realise that you're a bit, you are mortal. Well, this is where it changed for me because as soon as I passed out, a parachute like, training, I thought, fuck, I've got to go and jump now. Right. And I was like, shit, I'm scared of heights. Right. So I am actually scared of heights. So there's a break in the middle between being 12 and 18. Yeah, where I've become scared of heights. So but what about when you're on Trinasium and stuff? Shit myself. Did you? Yeah. But, is everyone sh- but is it, isn't everyone shitting themselves and that's the thing? Like, it's, yeah. that's, it's getting over that courage. It's not like, because I'm not, I'm not being funny. I'm sure in the regs there's some pretty fucking dull fuckers, right? As there is in every infantry regiment. Yeah. There are some people who should not have a fucking firing pin in the weapon. One, right? I was one of them for about two years. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we we all be me. But the fact is, you like it's it's healthy to have fear of falling off a fucking big piece of scaffolding in the sky. It's a very healthy thing to have. Yeah, you know anyone that says they're not scared, fucking either tapped or or lying. Um, but yeah, mate, I can remember my first jump, first man in the door, shitting it. Why were you first man? Was that a volunteer? Did you volunteer to go first? No, nah, because I knew the PGI, so you were scared of heights, so they thought, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were like, you can go first in the door. Like, I was yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but that's good though. 
Because so I've never done. I didn't do. You know, obviously didn't do P Company and jump stuff. I did a I did a civvy jump when I was in uni. Yeah. And it was the same thing, mate. It was like, I didn't really want to do it, but one of my mates who was like, so this guy is like, he's from Alaska. His name's Josh. And he's a fucking cool motherfucker. And he's like, a, he's been skiing since he was like fucking spunk. And uh, he showed me these videos of him doing ski jumps, like where he's doing like triple X, niners, 52, somersault, backflip, jiggly biggly these. And I'm just like sitting in my bed wanking. That's my uni experience. So he's like, right, let's go fucking parachute him. And you you can't say no, can you? Because then you're a fucking wimp. So the way that they did it was like you sit in the door with your leg hanging out and you go over and then they tell you to go. And oh yeah, I was I was shitting myself, man. I've always fought with with um but like what kind of like made you there was no way I was not going out because these civvies that I didn't even know were I I was like, Well, I can't have them judge me. So like I can't even imagine what it's like when you've got the blokes behind you. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, the scariest jump I'd done was like about 600 feet. And um, I can remember going over the M4 motorway at Western on, Western on the Green. First man in the door again, waiting there, ready to jump, mate. I could literally see people in their cars. So ex- explain to people why that's more scary than doing a higher jump. Because it's lower, because I actually see people in their cars looking up like that, mate. Yeah. So you can see their faces and you think, fucking hell, this is, this is too low. Right, so you <laughs> didn't think your parachute was going to open it? <laughs> no, it just looks too low, mate. Yeah. Um. And I said, I can remember saying to the load master, I said, this, this is low in it. Well, sorry, the, P, <laughs> the PGI I said, this is a bit low in it. He said, you'll be all right. And then green light came on and I was gone. Um, so is that like an instant you jump, you pull, it pulls and then you like hit the floor? You get a red on. Red on is usually when you go over the motorway, which means stand by and then green on, green go straight out the door yeah. and then blokes are following. And, how, and how, how, how long is it from getting out of the door to hitting the deck? Less than 30 seconds, depending on weight. Right. And that's, that's from 600 feet. As I got bigger throughout my career, <laughs> um, from performance-enhancing drugs. <laughs> well, we're going to come on to them, mate. Let me know. Yeah, as I got bigger, I fell out of the sky quicker. I fell out of the sky quicker. <laughs> mate, thing is, though, right? I thought, you know, if you look at Bridge Too Far and stuff like that, I always think, I wouldn't want to be those fucking guys hanging in the canopy. So there's a lot to be said for being coming out of the sky quicker. Well, operational jumps are 250 feet. Wow. So even lower, mate. They won't even give you a reserve. There's no point in having a reserve. Yeah. Fuck. That's just painful. My knees are like literally hurting just thinking, just yeah. thinking about it. What's the worst landing you ever had? Uh, probably in Yeoman, because just fucking the sand's like concrete, isn't it? I just done a knees to chest, a full, a full knees to chest, and then stood up and fell over. <laughs> I winded, I winded, winded myself. <laughs> oh, you stuck your knees into your chest? Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I mean, it. You see so many pictures on Instagram of stuff of like people jumping out the back and frogging and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that bit looks really cool. But you know what you don't see any pictures of? People landing cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> snap legs and that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's just like, it's like the real, it's expectation versus reality. It's like, you know, you want, it's like, um, you know, if you're watching porn, you don't want to see the guy's jizz face, do you? It's kind of like with landing pictures of... If you just saw landing pictures of parachuting, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, this looks a bit fucking dodgy. Shit landings are good to watch, though. Oh, man. I'm sure if you're watching, anything that's shit... Anything that involves other people creaming in is always great to watch. Yeah. I fucking... I was flicking through my uh, Afghan diary yesterday um, doing this um, to film this, uh, doc- this documentary. And there was a bit in there uh, about, like, a young Afghan lad trying to get across the mud with a wheelbarrow and he tripped over and piled in and smashed his face in and I couldn't stop laughing yesterday and I know that makes me a horrible person but it was hilarious 10 years ago and it still makes me laugh now 
Um, and like, so seeing your mates pile in is even more fun. Like, I bet you, if you think back, anyone listening now, think back, put it pause for a second and think back in your life. Some of your happiest moments on earth have probably been when you've seen your mate eat shit. You know, I, I landed, um, I landed in West on the Green again once. And it's pretty cool when you, you land, stand up and start pulling your parachute in while it's like fully inflated by like, the wind. Right. Looked over at one of my mates and he's there pulling his parachute and I thought, oh, he looks pretty cool there. Until he got taken away. <laughs> <laughs> just like a gust of wind. Because yeah. uh, uh, I mean, there's the thing is about a lot of lads, I suppose they're like 150 pounds, aren't they? Like fucking probably weigh, probably weigh fuck all. And you get a gust of wind and it can't oh, be it that catches, size. mate, yeah. God, so what? What's the SOP when you land? Like, do you just um? Is it to like you? You what are you doing with that parachute at that point? Does it just get dumped? Like, get uh, yeah. behind you? Well, you land. Um, you land. Do a cape well. Basically, you've just got a pin that you pull. It just just disconnects the rigging lines to your to your harness. Put your hand across your face. Shout cape well. Pull the pin. Deflate your parachute. Go to the end of your parachute. Wrap it round. So it just gets all the air out of it. And then you've got a bag on the side of it. So there's like a little um, a little stuff bag on the side of your parachute. Right. Pull that out, stuff it all in, and then tab off. So you take it, take it with you then? Yeah. yeah, it's fucking horrible as well, mate. Yeah, I was just because I was just thinking about that. I thought this is, this is sounding suspiciously like something extra to carry. Well, you put your parachute on your front right. and your kit and equipment on your back. Right. That's got to suck if you come into contact. Then. It was fucking honking, mate. So well, what do you do with it when you? What's the SP when you come into contact and it's in front of you? You just you have to just go. fuck it off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but in wartime, you'd leave it, right? But you just know, fucking you guys and your budget cuts. The chefs are too busy fucking cooking scoff, mate. So yeah. we can't get them to come out and pick up parachutes <laughs> up for us. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just thinking about that guy in Band of Brothers that carries his around to make a wedding dress out of. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got a few things, mate. I got a, um, a hammock made out of mine. Oh, nice. Um, I, I stole it off a, a yank camp. I tell you what I've got is um, I've got an alley. We know those Aussie windbreakers. Mm-hmm. Got one of those. Um, They're awesome, mate. Mate, you know what's fucking cool about them? I'm wearing it down in London, mate, and people look at you like you're the back daddy of fashion because they're long, <laughs> they're long cut as well. So they got like long cut on them, yeah, and then like baggy sleeves, a cool fucking hood. Wear that down in London, mate. Whoa, everyone wants to fuck. Them. Yeah, they're awesome, mate. Yeah, so I'm, you know what? Actually, need to make a note that I'm going to wear that this weekend. <laughs> Come on, I'm off down there. But like, it's one of those bits of kit that you bought, you know. But you never really got that. Much. Well. Not in the Royal Welsh, anyway. You never get to cut around it yeah. <laughs> in an Aussie windbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. Lucky to be able to get out of issue boots. So, like, when you went to... You went straight to One Power? Yeah, I went straight to One Power before it was SFSG, yeah. Right, I was going to say how that works. So, what time you, what type of year are we talking about here, actually, when you joined? I joined 2003. Oh, right. So, is, all right, did you join... How, how, did, how did Iraq... Influence that then was that going on while you were in training? Mate, I was what? in fucking. I was working in Sainsbury's and um, fucking stacking shelves when uh, when one power invaded. Right, Iraq. So you... I just I was just waiting for my like enlistment date to come through. Right, and they invaded Iraq. So I watched one power. You must be good. good. Well, I didn't even know I was going to one power at the time, ah, mate. Okay. You know, you didn't really. So I, rem- I remember watching that. Yeah, um, and I got my enlistment date. Went into training two thousand three, mm. and then I. Joint battalion. Are we? Are you feeling at that point then? That do you? Did you feel like? Because one para and the paras presumably at that point had been doing some support of operations in Afghanistan too of the SF, wasn't it? Like, was it one para was sending out? Was it one para mortars and stuff going out to Afghanistan? Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. Two thousand. Yeah, up paras. Yeah. So you knew that you knew that the paras were doing deployments. Yeah. How how are, how are you kind of feeling as a as a as Joe the Crow? How are you feeling about that? Like. Um, 
you know, knowing that there was good, because obviously we had Iraq going on, we had Afghanistan going on, you know, not the Afghanistan that people really know, the the early Afghanistan of like um, pew pew in the mountains. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about all that kind of stuff? Do you know what? I didn't really think about it uh, when I was going in. It was only when I got into training and we were being like, you know, told by the instructors that we were going to war and that's when it started to kick in a little bit, really. Do they do that? Because uh, I, I, other parrot instructors, are they... Are they always feeling like they're on a war footing? Do you know what I mean? There's no like up or down. It's always just like right, you're gonna you're going to war. Because the thing is, we fair at the powers. They do usually get they usually like spearhead of whatever happens. So the chances are you do have a good chance of getting deployed somewhere. Yeah. Para. So is is, is do you feel like there's more intensity there from power instructors than maybe like uh, the line infantry? Yeah, yeah, I do, mate. Um, my instructors are really hard on us. Fucking borderline bullying, mate. But it's for a reason, and I don't hate them for it. I was going to say, mate, there's a, you know what, you know what, you know what, hurts more than a kick in the ass, a bullet in the ass. Yeah, but I don't, I don't hate them. Mate. I, had, I, I respect every one of them. I obviously did like a very short training period, you know, coming from the reserves. Yeah, as they called now TA at the time. And there was one time in Catrick stuck in my head was getting kicked in the helmet for not changing fire positions quick enough. And you know what, mate? If I could meet that guy today, yeah, I would fucking shake his hand and say thank you. Yeah, because that's. Changing fire positions lesson has stuck with me for 20 years. Yeah. And that, like, because you know what it's like, mate. Now and again, you watch a bit of war porn on your phone and you're watching this, like, some Syrian guy keeps popping up in the same place and you're like, I know what's coming here. Yeah. Boom, his head's gone. Yeah. And I think back to that guy and it's like, yeah, I got I got my head rattled a little bit. Yeah. But to be honest, nothing more than you get in a game of rugby. Yeah. Fucking life is bullying, mate. Yeah. Life is, bu- like, life is competition. Life is bullying. And those blokes are doing the best thing for you there. Yeah. Mate, I was a nobody at school. I got bullied all the way through through school. Were you a big lad then too? No, I was tiny, mate. All right? How did you get? Well, I don't... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to. I got yeah. big later. But so, well, to, how, how tall are you though? You're a tall bloke. Six three. Six three. All right. But yeah, not, I was... not jealous at all, mate. <laughs> I, yeah, I got bullied all through school. I can actually remember doing a talk on the Paros when I was about eleven years old. Um, wow. So you were that you were that into them back then? Like? Yeah, there's a book uh, with Pathfinders free falling called the Paros. Um, I can remember doing a talk and having that book and I said at the end of the talk I will be a para one day and this lad Darren Smith mate Darren Smith you're a fucking knob well he's a fucking crackhead now anyway like oh, they always are I'm um, right, well, oh, sorry but yeah he, um, he punched me square in the jaw mate at lunchtime I said you'll never make it in the army and that never pushed me to go for it more I just thought well alright you know <laughs> whatever yeah where, um, where are you now Darren Smith you fucking crackhead but, um, hopefully listening to Veterans Day of Mind and buying some of our merchandise <laughs> <laughs> but yeah to, um, to have them change me as a man you know into a man from a boy into a man um, if they didn't borderline bully me and act the way they did I wouldn't be the guy I am today mate you know That's what's sure. you know what's funny mate like almost everyone I have on the podcast or everyone I know as a friend who's like successful as a civvy or in the military they were not the popular kid in school. Yeah. Because if you are, there's no one's like, if you fucking got everything on a plate, there's no motivation to, to, to do anything, like to, yeah. to, to, to smile harder. The amount of times of people, I meet people who are in really good nick, like physical physical shape, and they're like, I was a fat kid in school. It doesn't surprise me because I used to be like, what? Now it doesn't surprise me. I'm like, yeah, well, that makes sense because now you, you're putting that effort in, you know? Yeah. Um, and then people who are like, 
Um, you know, people told me I wouldn't amount to anything. Now they got fucking multi-million dollar companies. People told me I could never be a DJ. People told me I could never, you know, be in the paras. Or people told me I'd never make it in the army. You know, we had Dean Stott on, just talking about his dad saying you won't last two minutes in the army. Dean went to the SBS. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I've, I've heard that story so many times that I think if you're not getting bullied in your life right now and you're a young person, go out and look for someone to bully you because it's going to do you some <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> right? If you if you need to, we're happy to provide that service at Veteran State of Mind. Right? We'll start sending you some angry texts. Yeah. But seriously, mate, it shapes, it shapes you in a good way. Like, I mean, obviously, there's a, there are tragedies. There are people who are bullied. We should say that. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a difference between you bullied to the point of getting the shit kicked out of you every day and just being t- like more kind of like teased and like okay, do you know what I mean There's yeah difference. well this is this is what I always say to I get a lot of messages on um on my Instagram from kids that get bullied just say to them look, you, look at where you're going to be in years to come just right. use it as your fuel to do better that's the problem with, with young kids though You when you're 13 you your like life like the idea of being 23 seems it's it's as distant almost as being a baby yeah so but it, it comes seems around so, like that. it does mate it does but you don't feel that at the time you feel like this is going to be forever fucking like i've been a writer now almost as long as i've been in in secondary school do you know what i mean like but one seems that it's gone a lot faster than the other when you are a young kid and i know as we have young kids listening to us just believe us like you're listening to us for a reason so trust us on this one yeah that it does go fast and I guarantee you the people who you think the people you want to be friends with now is in like, oh, these are the cool people of the year. These are the people that they're fucking lo- they're losers. Yeah. They're, they're going to peak in their life at 15 years old. And then that's it. That's the highest point they're yeah. going to get to. Yeah. And but just turn into crackheads, mate. I turn into crackheads. <laughs> yeah. like, I turn into fucking crackheads with fucking stinking messes. And they've got nothing going in their life. They don't work. They don't provide anything for anyone else, any service to anybody else. Yeah. They don't experience the world. They don't travel. They never leave their and hometown. Do you know what, mate? I, I figured this out, that bullies are usually because of their own, insecure, their own insecurities. Always, always, mate. So they got their own issues, mate. But their, their own issues of, you know, fuck them. Honest they're, they're bullying other people because they got issues themselves, you know? We have honest answer, mate. In your life, when you've... Because, like, I'm not going to say bullied people, but let's say you've had jealousy towards other people. In your own life, has that been because of your insecurities? I've never been jealous of anyone, mate. You fucking have, mate. You told me coming in, you were like, guys, your fucking haircut is amazing, and I wish I had a haircut like you. Nah, that's, that's what you say <laughs> coming in. <laughs> nah, 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 it is, mate. Right, thanks. Yeah. Mate. But, no, like, yeah, I've... Uh, I've had it myself. I've said to, like, friends of mine, I've said to them, I was like, there's been times in my life where I wasn't happy with my life and I slagged you off behind your back. I'll be the first to admit that. Everyone slagged someone off behind their back at some point. If you say you haven't, then you're fucking lying to I'm yourself. I'm jealous of guys who got smaller knobs, mate. Smaller ones? Why is that, Yeah, mate? I could lose a few inches, like. Could, could lose a few inches. Right. <laughs> I, I did just mention that we have young listeners on the podcast, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mate, they're like... There's there's a difference between being um, like ast- aspiring to have what someone else has. So if you yeah. see someone that's like this person's on stage talking to 300 people and they're leaving that room inspired, I want to be in that position. Yeah. That's a big difference to going. Fuck, he should be up there. He's a fucking dick. I've heard. I've heard that um, when he when he goes to the toilet, uh, he doesn't wash his hands. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, people, it's kind of stuff, kind of stuff like petty, petty stuff people bring up. There's a, there's a lot of jealousy in the veteran community now as well. I feel. There's a lot of commu- the thing is made the veteran community is a slice of they people. Hate, lads hate seeing lads, other lads do better or doing well. well I got I got I got I think it's a, there's a small percentage of lads. But let's be honest, mate. When you're in battalion, there's always that person. Like I've seen it. Lads will go for lads will go for selection. 
the fuck does he think he is? Who's yeah. he fucking special? Look, it's nothing, no reflection on you. He's just doing his thing. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean you're a shit soldier just because he wants to go to selection. Yeah. And you see those people and they're the same people when they get out. But it's not like when you're in the fucking, it's not like when you're in a battalion and you're like, I'm going to go on this PTI course. Oh, who the fuck's he thinking? Yeah. PTI. Oh, I should be on a PTI course. Well, fucking go for it then. Yeah. I can remember when I got my uh, MID. Right. And I was up so for an, uh, just explain to people what MID is. They mentioned dispatchers, gantry board. Yeah, so, so I just want to drill down on that for the American listeners and stuff. So, so basically, we're, we're talking like the we're talking here like a, an award that's in like your system with like your bronze stars, your silver stars, that kind of stuff. So it's an award that's like to an individual for doing um, an outstanding act. So yeah, um, I was up for the Mitch Cross at the time. Oh, fucking hell, mate! The amount of shit I was getting off lads, you know, yeah. like some lads. Like got, you'd asked for it. Yeah, well, I did ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like lads, get, you know, fucking lads well, talking because, about Because again, it's the truth. Like, and I said this again when I was doing the documentary yesterday. <laughs> I said to him because I grew up reading war books, I grew up watching war movies. In my head, I was going to be, I was a failure in the military if I didn't walk away with a couple of flesh wounds, a military cross, a VC would be nice, but I thought a military cross is the bot is the minimum standard I need to attain. Yeah, As, and and then. And I, I'm just being honest about it. And I, I guarantee you, there's nobody listening right now that's, that's been in the military that's never thought to themselves, I'd like to have a military cross. Yeah. Of course you fucking have. It's natural. Why wouldn't you? Of course you don't you pay tax, that. do you? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? I heard some Jen, you don't pay tax, you got military cross. I don't know about that. We've had a couple of them on the podcast. If you guys chip in on that, I've got, I'm going to fucking text Sean right now, ask him. Because if this is fucking true, I'm getting married to someone yeah, fucking I only heard it cross. a couple of weeks ago, but... Fuck! If that's me, if that's Jen, all right, we're, we're not we're not pucker Jen and no wire forward assisting this. No eyebrows on no this eye, one. <laughs> no fucking eyebrows, Jen, on this one. This could be scoff out stuff, Jen. Have you heard of Argos, Jen? Oh yeah, you okay? Explain it though, because it's brilliant. Actually, first of all, right, let me explain to Jen what people are. So Jen just means you're basically kind of telling somebody that like it's like you know when somebody says like oh, I swear on my life. Well, that Jen is the kind of the military equivalent of that, right? So if you, but then what you can do on top of it is you can add layers of Jen. So if you, if it's like, yeah, Jen, mate, you don't take too much kind of like out of that. But if someone's like, it's pucker Jen, then you're like, oh, that's a bit more trustworthy. If it's pucker Jen, no wire forward assist. That's really fucking Jen. But if it's eyebrows, Jen, and if you, so if you tell someone eyebrows, Jen, and they prove to you that you're lying, you have to shave your eyebrows off. If you're RoboCop Jen or RoboGen, you have to shave your hair off and your eyebrows. And if it's Argos Jen, you have to... Go to Argos, get that little machine that you get the, uh, the stuff on. You type in a random number and whatever pops up, you have to buy for the block back in camp. Mate, stuff like Argos Jen and that kind of thing. That's why you miss the army. Yeah, it's for that fucking... you do not get I'm sure there's probably like like some lads on building sites and stuff like that who have that kind of level of bands yeah but that's what you fucking miss isn't it man like that that kind of like bonkers like yeah just that, that bonkersness of it it's just it's, it's just fucking brilliant and you can do stuff like that because you're young lads living in um living in a block you've got like you can go out and spend your money on a fucking three piece suite for a block because um you you live in and you've got a roof over your head. You're gonna have food, like so you can you can be a lot more wild. Yeah, you know I mean, and the the environment encourages wildness anyway. But you've actually got that safety net to be reckless. Yeah, def- definitely, mate. What's what's some of the funniest things you've seen in the block, like living in barracks? I probably can't. You know, all right, actually save a few of them because you've taught me a couple of them, and like 
I think we'll save them for another podcast. We'll save them for another day. We'll, we'll have a rats podcast one day. We'll, but... we'll have one. Tell you what, you, me and Joe will do one. Yeah, we'll you, have a... you, me and Joe, um, the British rogue. We'll save them for uh, for another time. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get the three of us in. I, fu- I put up on my... I put up on my Instagram the other day about like what's some of the weirdest things you've seen in the block. Go and check it out if you haven't looked at it on my Instagram. One of the ones on there was one of the guys, he was going back to bullying. He was bullying one of the young lads. So what the young lad did was got this lad, got this older lad pissed up. And then when he passed out, he plugged an iron in, cold, put it on the guy's chest, turned <laughs> the iron on and walked out the room. <laughs> so he woke up with a fucking iron <laughs> burning through his fucking chest. Oh. That is why you do not bully people. <laughs> All right, so let's get let's get back to that. Right, I think you know, I think it's interesting to talk about this bullying stuff, then, mate. What was it? What was your kind of when you used to talk to yourself as a kid? And we all do. We all talk to ourselves. So if you're thinking like you're weird because you have an inner monologue going on in your head, don't worry, you're not. If you have weird thoughts coming in your head, don't worry, you're not. We all have fucking weird thoughts pop into our head. Um, but look, like we, the way that you talk to yourself, the way that you talk to other people is imp- is important. Like if I talk to Dave right now and I'm aggressive, then I'm probably going to get lamped. Uh, if, but if I talk to him in, in a friendly way, then we're going to have a totally different interaction. And the same is absolutely true about how you talk to yourself. Well, it goes, doesn't it? If it what, what's the saying? If you talk to yourself... No, it, what's it, how does it go? If you, talk, if you talk to yourself... No, I just can't remember how it goes now. Right. right? He's not you, genuine you go, this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not genuine it. Go, yeah. You go... Go and fucking do some work yourself, you fuckers. My <laughs> <laughs> fucking man, Dave. Don't have much time to hang out, and you're just sitting here waiting for all our answers. No, if you spoke to your friends the way you talk to yourself, would you have any friends? There you go. See, it was worth the wait. It was fucking good. Yeah, we got there in the end, that man. Was, that was good. But it's fucking true, mate. Because, like, you're in a mon- like, you're in my inner monologue as a kid went something like this. You're fat. No one likes you. Piece of shit. And it kept on going like that Why for that about they? 20 years. <laughs> Why is that? But you wouldn't say that to your friends, would you? Well, it depends which one of them. Well, yeah. D- Some of them do need to lose a bit of weight, like. <laughs> you know who you are. I'm fucking calling you out right now. Going on that fucking treadmill. <laughs> um, no, but it's 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 like that. Like, what what was your kind of inner voice like when you were, were you a kid? If I'm honest with you, I can't really remember, mate. Fuck's sake. I, I can actually remember going back to, me, um, back to my dad and wanting my dad to go and fill their dad in. Because everyone's dad's right. the hardest bloke but in like, the world. Yeah, but how did, yeah, but how did, how did he talk to you to yourself? Like, were you, were you like, ah, oh, Dave, we're going to take over the world. We're going to be in the parachute radio. Oh, no, what the fuck? Yeah, was it more like, oh, shit, he's coming. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, shit myself, mate. Yeah. Constantly, you know. What's um, it like now? Is it like, I have the tigers? <laughs> well, I filled him in last year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bumped into him. Fucking karmic justice, you cunt. <laughs> yeah, I bumped into him. Um... Bumped into him, your fucking elbows. Bang. And it was, it was during a bad time in my life. I was already off off the hook. Bad time in his life too. But yeah, really <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, during that dark stage of my life where I was struggling with mental health, and bumped into this guy and vigilante warrior. He thought he cleaning he'd, up the streets. He thought he'd try the bullying act again. But, oh, did he? Yeah. What but, a fucking like for anyone listening on audio, Dave is like he's a bit of a lump now, like a big lad. I mean, you back then you were a fucking. Mahusiv. It was about 18 so stone, yeah. I mean, he must have, uh, to be fair, mate, he must be on some good crack. Like, <laughs> good... well, he's got, he's got a reputation for stabbing people around, are we? Oh, mate. That's the, that's the problem, though, isn't it? Like, and yeah. that's, that, this, this why, public service announcement, in case anyone's thinking it's a good idea, it's going to beat a crackhead. Don't, because you might just get dirty. Well, that's it, mate. And he, he threatened to stab me on social media. Um, so I took matters into my own hands when I see him. Right. I thought I'd get it in before he stabs me. Well, that's fair. That's to be fair, mate. That's a fair risk assessment that you're going through there. Yeah. 
uh, I'm quite worried about this kind of trend at the moment of people carrying machetes and stuff around. Like, mm. I don't mind taking a kick in. I've taken a kick in. I've taken a punch. Don't mind that. But the idea of getting stabbed fucking terrifies me. I am fucking turbo essence. I cannot be, I cannot have this beautiful visage touched by a blade, mate. Yeah. I'm nervous well, enough when I go Funny enough, up, mate, a couple of months later, I ended up stabbing myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's only one person who gets to stay where I stab Radders, yeah. and that's Radders. Watch this. Fuck <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, that's a bit stupid, mate. What are you going to do that? Actually, don't talk about that, right? We'll go back into that. All right, yeah, so, let's hear in the powders, mate. Let's talk about, did you do any operations when you were with, um, when you were with one para before it became SFSG? Or yeah, you? Northern Ireland. Right. Uh, which is just fucking... Bucksy really, yeah. I ended up being the uh, get nicknamed the one para gimp on that um <laughs> on that tour. Because I was a new bloke, I got you know, do as you're told and like by the senior blokes. Yeah. So I ended up getting uh duct taped into like a gimp suit. Right. A B lid on boots and ended up loading blokes onto a puma going out for a night patrol. Um and it turned out to be this lizard that was this chick that was flying the plane and some high ranking officer in the in the air force and I got thrashed, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I got jerry canned all over Cross McGlynn. Okay, pad. tell me what jerry canned is, mate. Two jerry cans full of water just getting thrashed. I mean, about. what's that, like 45 pounds or something? Is it, no, not sorry, not 45 pounds. Yeah, probably about 45 pounds, isn't it? It's about 20, 20 kilo. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. to be 20 kilo. Fucking they've, been, they've been the uh, jerry can thing now, apparently. The jerry can, uh, the, the PT test. Have they? Yeah. Um, the gen I heard, and don't bite my head off for this, but this is what I've heard from people who are serving now, is because there's too many women failing it. Um, because it's quite that it's not like that's quite a hard one for, yeah. for but there's some men failing it as well to be fair no there are man this is what I always fucking said these guys are like well women can't make it in the Paris well could you probably not well that's like, it mate. A, lot, a lot of people can't a lot of people mate I fucking most blokes can't do a pull up yeah most not the majority of blokes can't do a pull up and then they'll sit there on Twitter going yeah it shouldn't be women in the fucking infantry and they're sat like serving another bag of Doritos down the fucking grid like yeah and again mate though that comes down to like why are you lashing out uh, why are you lashing out at these people so it's like oh women can't be in the infantry it's like look just because you never made it doesn't mean that they can't and that, that's that's where a lot of it comes from I think mate do you use Twitter or anything you're just on the gram just on the gram mate on the gram um, I've got a Twitter account, mate. I started using it for because the thing is with the podcast I want to be able to connect with you know I want to be able to go out there and bring the best guests in obviously in this instance i failed but i am <laughs> i am doing me you best. are <laughs> but i'm going out to um do you want to see us inside that light <laughs> <laughs> but i'm going i'm going out to i was like i was getting on twitter because the thing is with instagram people of our kind of age are on there yeah but i was like on twitter i was i wanted to get like people who were maybe at some point i'd like to have a senior officer on here that was never going to happen yeah but um you know those kind of people are easier to reach on twitter um, and um, I fucking had to just del- I deleted the app, mate. One of um, one of my, my my friends, Giles Christian, he's a he's an author, writes awesome Viking books and stuff. He, he I saw he'd done it and he'd come onto Instagram, and I was like, you know what, mate? Because he was he was one of the only people on there who was positive that I followed. Yeah, and I was like, I fucking get rid. And I I haven't really been on there since, mate. And it's a shame because there are people that only use Twitter that you want to be able to reach, and I'm sure you think the same way. But the, you have to do a cost-benefit analysis. Yeah. And the cost-benefit analysis is going on there was just like, mate, I hate to think. We're, like, this is, we're, we're recording this on the day of the general election. I hate to think what kind of fucking shit is going down on there today on, on yeah. Twitter. Whereas like, on Instagram, mate, I feel it's like a lot more, there's a lot more positivity on there. Do you know what well, I mean? You've got to be positive, haven't you? Like, we're default negative as humans. 
Right. We are default negative. Why do, all... think, why do you think that is? Just fucking so, so much negative shit out in the world, mate. I, I, I reckon, mate, I reckon there's an evolutionary reason for it. And I reckon that is because if you were just like, like you were living like back in the wild, like, because let's be honest, it's only the last few hundred years that life has become like to the point where you can chill out a bit. Yeah. Like, and, and like even really the last kind of hundred. But like, if you're in the, if you're living like with a tribe out in the woods and like day in, day out is survival, if you're just like, ah, oh, put my feet up, it's chill everything's great then you're gonna fucking like you're gonna be like oh hang on a minute right we didn't move to a new new food source now we're fucked now we're gonna die whereas um you know now uh, oh sorry but so back then you had to be negative because you had to be looking for problems because they were problems whereas now we have our basic needs taken care of most of us very few people it's a it's a tragedy that anybody lives on the streets yeah but very few people do um there's it's very few people go hungry very few people like we actually have the opposite problem we have people eat too much yeah you know all these things like people take it for granted that you turn on your tap the fact that you can drink out of your tap is miraculous i can't tell you how much of a miracle that is that you well, it have depends on where you are don't it? yeah but you can't like here in the uk i mean it, well in wales you can't can't drink out of the tap Fuck, you can, mate. What do you think you're drinking right now? Yeah. That's how the tab that is, mate. Don't be, <laughs> don't be spreading fucking... Oh, you're on about Brecon, you are. You're on about... All right, some certain army barracks, because it's the army, have got fucking lead-lined fucking pipes and stuff. That's just because they're fucking bunch of cheapskates. And you can drink out of fucking stuff. You're fucking coming on here, slagging my country off like we're a bunch of fucking troglodyte peasants. Um, but you can... Yeah, we, we've got... We've got... We, the, you, I could come down to Gloucester now, or you can come to Wrexham... And mostly, you can walk around knowing that you're safe. Like, no one's going to get... Well, i got Wi-Fi in Gloucester. We, yeah, we don't have it up here, mate. You see, you see there's a train well, coming in, mate. Wi-Fi, boom. Yeah. All right, mate. Wales is a third world country, but I'm talking about <laughs> the rest of the country. But, like, the you know, the fact that we could drive from one end of the country to the other, and we're not going to get worried about pulling into a malicious checkpoint and fucking raped and murdered. Yeah. Like, most of the world, a lot of the world has those kind of, those kind of issues. Um... And because people don't have those things to worry about, they then look for something else to worry yeah. about. And then that is like, I can't believe she's wearing jeans that are that tight. And they, you know, they, they put the same level of like hate on that as they would be to like, right, there's a saber-toothed tiger over there. And they, but they treat it the same way. Yeah. I don't really know where I was going with that, mate. <laughs> it's just fucking mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But people always look at negative things. You know, I try and keep myself positive all the time and you know affirmations and mentors oh, so was, actually okay we're going to come back we're going to come back to that mate because i want to come out your journey i want to talk a little bit more about service because because i know yeah. otherwise people like to be honest mate and i hate to tell this to a lot of people war stories and stuff don't actually interest me that much anymore because you heard one you've heard them all really haven't you yeah um i i'm really interested in like and i know you are too it's the growth that comes afterwards yeah so that's what we're going to concentrate on so if you come here for the war stories i'm going to give you 10 minutes now we're going to go into some war dates stand by go <laughs> well what do you want to know well let's just talk, talk about your deployments mate I'm going, to, I'm going to shut my, my grid for 10 minutes I want you to talk about war um, so my, my, my first deployment in Iraq was the first uh, SRSG op I was in actually Northern Ireland at the time when, when was that mate? Uh, that was 2005 2005 um, it was just coming to the end of our Northern Ireland tour um, and we got the call B Company um that they wanted us to go to Iraq. So we started doing our PDT out in... Sorry, man, I just want to start. So, so was one power has become SFSG at this point? I hadn't become SFSG officially at this point. Right. Um, so we started doing our PDT out in Northern Ireland, um, fast roping from Lynxes, things like, you know, Method, Method Venture on the target. 
then we come back and we went to Hereford, done CT4 package, counterterrorism um, package, it's basically after selection package. Um, oh, so all the guys do that, do they? Oh, yeah, cool. so it's like the, the training they do after selection, which is like CQB in the in the house, like the killing house up at Hereford. Um, you know, the, like the little village up there. We started running scenarios, like putting cordons in and doing our own building assaults. So we done all that, and then I deployed to Iraq on my on the first Iraq, you know, SOSG tour, which was fucking awesome. Which was awesome, you know, as a young lad, mini me gunner cutting about a rack on the cordons. We're getting more rounds down than the Hereford guys, mate. This is why this is why I don't like talking about war stories. Now I want to go back to Iraq. <laughs> this is why. Mate, I got maximum rounds down. Fuck off. <laughs> I was like a new bloke, mate, getting maximum rounds down. Gutted, man. First contact was actually with the Iraqi police. Oh, yeah, mate. There's a lot of people I know who've killed Iraqi police yeah. because they had to. Not because it's not for a laugh. Yeah, and we had, we had a, um, we actually had a fucking US tank, Bradley. Uh, right next to us, and we thought, "Are you stupid?" But the um, the Yank commander wouldn't get out of his tank to talk to us to uh, to see what he wanted us to do. But so we just fucking chinned him off and just got maximum rounds down. Fuck. See, I fucking just I'm, I, you talk to the microphone for ten minutes. I'm gonna go step outside. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate here. Yeah. So then, uh, so done that tour. That's the tour that Norman Kemba done. The you know was rescued on, um, and we done up Larchwood four. Which you can actually Google about. Up Larchwood Four was where we went after. Um, it was basically like Al's Carby's network. Mm. Um, the arcade network. Yeah, we landed on target that night um, in the Chinooks, and first assault team Hereford lads were taken out. Um, guy under the car fired a burst at them all as they, you know, went forward to put charges on, and we ended up going in as a reserve reserve assault team to casvac those guys out. Um, they were all all fine, but they were just like shot in the legs and things. And then we had suicide bombers running at us, mate. It was fucking carnage. Just blokes just disappearing in front of you, and like Hereford blokes going in through the door and just getting blown back out the door, and Whoa. fucking mental, mate. But they were all, all Hereford blokes were fine, but it was it was absolute carnage, mate. And the intelligence we got from that operation actually led on to the death of Al's Kari some months later. He was a bad guy for people to know, like a very bad yeah, guy. He's yeah. the guy. Al's Kari is the guy who really escalated the violence in Iraq and all this beheadings and like butchery that you see from ISIS now that all kind of like began with um, well not began with him but he's he's the guy that like really kind of like threw petrol on the fire of like that kind of like that brand of jihad because there was a lot of jihad before that that was like hey you're a soldier I'm a soldier we'll fight we'll leave the civvies out of it yeah. so Cowies was more like oh you talk to the coalition we're going to saw your head off and your wife too and we're going to drill your head off and we're going to drill your kneecaps mm. and he's the kind of like the guy who was the mastermind of that he was actually um, he was a gangster uh, I can't remember where he was from I think it was Jordan yeah he was, Jordan, it was, he was yeah yeah so um he was uh, he was a gangster, and then he found kind of like um, redemption through God. But basically, he just became a jihadi gangster instead. So it's like instead of instead of uh, the guy liked being violent, and he his, his first excuse to do that was money, and then then his second excuse was to do that was um, was was through God. But he was just a violent violent yeah. piece of shit. But yeah, it was um, it was really you know I was really proud to be in, involved in an operation. Taking out such a, you know, being involved yeah, in man. getting in information, you know, intelligence that led on to the death of one of the highest wanted men in and the world just, at the time. Just a bad man, because some people need to be killed, and he was one of them. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, yeah, so after that, uh, done Iraq. Um, then I went to Kosovo. Um, I'm not going to go into what I've done out there. I don't think I'm allowed to. Um, yeah, so I skipped past Kosovo. Then I went to Iraq again in 2008 um, as assault team one. 
So we had two Hereford guys with us, um, and it was run by Hereford guys, but we were, we went out there to do cordons, mate. And then I ended up being assault team one, first man. You know, I was so, fir- so to give people a bit of a, a bit of a. Well, I just want to claim that I was first man in as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been a lot of first I've been man. first man in before. Um, yeah, so you know what, mate. I got. I'm not not taking away from your story here, but this is this is something that young people listening need to hear. And this isn't distracting from Dave's story. It's not detracting from anybody else that's been on operations with tier one or whatever tier you fucking are, tier bananas, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I just want to make clear that American, British, Canadian, there was a lot of 18-year-old, um, 18-year-old fucking crows who were first man in too. Mate, it's a shit like, job in the army, mate. But, it's, but, it, but also, mate, what I'm just saying is like, the amount of doors kicked in in Iraq and stuff, yeah. there's a lot of people who have kicked in a door. Yeah. So don't go thinking, if you're a young lad, don't go thinking, oh, this is just something that, the, these top operators did. They did, and they did a lot. Yeah. But there's like your local regiment right now. If your local regiment is the Royal Anglians, if it's the Rifles, there's a fucking lot of door kickers in there too. So yeah. pay the appropriate respect. So yeah, we went up there and we took out the IDF team in Basra, based down in Basra. Um, oh, nice. So probably, you probably took out somebody that used to fire rockets at me. Yeah, well, we took a lot of them out. Oh, on good. That tour. Cheers, um, I've got half a rocket home. You can sign it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, we we're going out doing strikes at that time. Um, kick door kicking at night and yeah that was a fucking awesome tour mate to get you know be assault team one and do some proper yeah I bet door to door kicking mate fucking building assaults that was awesome mate that's what that's my bread and butter mate that's what I enjoy doing CQB mm. smashing doors down and fucking fighting through buildings you like smashing them into what about it, back doors <laughs> 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 is that the preferred method of entry <laughs> yeah um, so, I mean, that sounds amazing mate I mean that's a wet dream isn't it basically yeah. for, a, for, a, for, a, for a soldier well that's it but, but that's like, saying that I enjoyed that I then went on to 2009 going to Afghan mm. so you were there you were out there the same like Panthers Corps time yeah um, which turned out to be one of the fucking worst tours but one well, of the, the best was, tours the, I've ever the, done, mate. Well, it was the, I mean, not to throw around statistics and stuff, but it was, I mean, it was the worst tour, statistically speaking, for Bloodiest casualties tour, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and that, no, that's not point scoring over anyone else because like, you lose one guy, it's one guy too many. Yeah. Um, but like, it, it, is, it is fair to point out to people that it was like a fucking slugfest. Yeah. And that's where I, um, I was Tiger Team Commander. Um, so Tiger Team is the A and A guys, is it? Yeah, so it's like the A and A. It's the Afghan National. Uh, it's Army. the Afghan Task Force. Yeah, they, they cast themselves as like a special forces for Afghan special forces. So they're like what kind of like T A R L C? Yeah. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry because they're fucking brave motherfuckers. Mate, fucking awesome, mate, awesome. And do you know what? Being told I was going out on the ground on my own with eight Afghans around the time they started turning on people, I was a bit like fucking. Yeah, because that was the time when it 2009 was and really being probably... on the yeah being on the ground, mate. As the only fucking Brit in that team. Yeah. And, you know, doing some proper war fighting, mate. Mm. Sometimes I thought, fucking, you know, they yeah. could turn on me here. And especially on that tour, I had a price on my head from the Taliban as well. Did you? I put, yeah, a, a price was placed on my head during that tour, yeah. Why is that? Because you're, did they um, like your Instagram? Well, I should cause them a lot of fucking dramas, mate. So how did they know it was you, though? They nicknamed me Obama to start with, because I had Cry Kit and a G3. They nicknamed you what? Obama. <laughs> Yeah, on the icon. He's by the way, he's not black. So on the on the um, on the icon, they used to say Obama's out. Oh, so that's how you knew, right? For the icon, yeah. right? So the icon is the the unsecured radio that the uh, the Taliban used, and you'd be able to listen to the two. That makes a lot more. Yeah, that makes yeah, a lot of sense. So the um, the interpreters told me they got a price. I got a price on my head. Um, I actually used to talk to them on icon and wind them up. 
Yeah. And some bloke spoke back with a Bromley accent one day, and I was like, fucking hell. Mate. So, yeah, we was having an argument on ICOM. Uh, you should have fucking challenged him, man on well, man. I did. To I said to him, I said, poke your head out, and I was fucking, I said, I'll send you, I'll send you to see your virgins. And he's like, oh, you know, fucking, you, I'm going to rape your mum. I said, well. You're not, though, are you? <laughs> Where are you now? Where are you now, mate? You're dead. You're dead, and you're not in paradise. You're in a ditch. You're in a ditch in Afghan with your buddies. This was in Nadiali North, mate, you know? Fucking, mate, mate. We had uh, one of our standing patrols one night. Um, a few of the recce lads went out from the patrol, and uh, um, they heard brummy voices. Um, they heard brummy voices and they, they reported that up the chain and got told, now nah, you're wrong. It's like, yeah. they know what they heard. Yeah. Like these lads, the, these lads were on their fifth or fifth, fifth tour, mate. These, yeah. these, like, these aren't someone that's going out and hearing ghosts. They're fucking, well, they know what they're saying. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fucking Brits. I think there's more than they admit to yeah. when they're out there, mate. Definitely, mate. There's a, there was a photograph, I don't know if you see it, of the guy with an Aston Villa tattoo. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he needs shooting for that. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't like football, so... You know, exactly, for liking football. <laughs> like, I mean, you and me are both, we, you and me are both the rugby, yeah. the, the rugby clan, uh, as as should be any aspiring infantry soldier. If you if you want to be infantry right now and you're not playing rugby, get out there, I'll tell you, it's going to help you. Yeah, definitely, it will help mate, you. definitely. Getting smashed, getting smashed playing rugby is a good, like, you'd want to talk about battle PT and stuff like that. That's what rugby is. Rugby, Rugby's battle PT. Going on to that as well with rugby... Rugby actually kind of saved me in a way when I left the army because going back into that environment, mm. going back around the lads, having that banter, you know, pissing so, on each other. Well, it's like the same kind of banter and yeah. lifestyle living, you know, it, it, in, the, in the block. I, I, how many, how many lads do you know that served in the military? I suppose being in the paras, you probably got a lot of English in there. It might have come from more football backgrounds and stuff. Because like Royal Welsh, me was very heavily it, rugby. I'd say it rolls pretty even, to be fair. Right, really. Because I, I noticed like one, one thing I noticed from school. Was that all the lads that ended up in the all the lads that ended up going to the military for my school? All of them were rugby lads. Yeah. So it was like I Wales are massive on rugby, though, aren't they? To be fair. Well, we used to be, but they're more into football now. You fucking minges. You fucking. A bit like Gloucester. Asses. Gloucester's like a massive rugby town. Well, yeah, yeah, that yeah, Gloucester is big time. Gloucester. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> that really put me there. I was right on the pit side then. Oh, <laughs> uh, but mate, like it, it, it is the best thing because it gives you a team environment. I feel like football, even though it is a team sport, I've always felt that because you get such high-paid stars in it and stuff, yeah. that people aspire to be a bit more. It's about me making it in the team. Like in rugby, even if you're professional, you probably not get paid that much money. Um, but I, I just feel that it's always been rugby is more of a team sport, whereas like football, it's like I'm an individual in a team rather than it's just a team. Yeah, yeah. Here's a quick word about our sponsors. Please listen and support these guys because they make the podcast happen. No sponsors, not podcast. So please get behind them. This episode is made possible in part thanks to Altberg Boots, specialist bootmakers for over 40 years. Uh, I've been banging on about them for a while now. And I've been banging on for a while now about how much I love Altberg boots, and I'm not the only one. You guys have been sending me in your pictures and commenting about how much you love the Ali Altbergs, so thank you for that. Uh, bottom line is that when it comes to kit, you want Ali and you want your money's worth. Uh, Altberg boots look fucking awesome, and they last forever. Head on over to altberg.co.uk and check out their range. They have boots for civilians and military members, and I do not think you'll be disappointed. In fact, I know you won't be. If you're in the market for some Ali boots, oldberg.co.uk is where you should be heading. This episode is also made possible thanks to the lovely folks over at the Royal British Legion. I really can't say enough good things about them and about how they help this podcast. To begin with, I was covering all the costs of the podcast myself, and it's not cheap to do when you're trying to get studio quality sound, uh, all that kind of jazz. And the Royal British Legion have helped me with that, and I really fucking appreciate it. Uh, I love it when I get messages from you guys 
uh, veterans out there saying that this podcast is helping you transition to civvy life. Um, so don't thank me unless you want to send me some money or dirty knickers, in which case I'll take it. But thank the Royal British Legion. Uh, if you want to check them out, you can find them at rbl.org online or at Royal British Legion on Instagram. All right, last but not least, actually, yeah, last and least, me, sponsor, Garen Jones. Uh, i got a few books out that I've self-published. If you want some Roman action, check out my book, Legion. And if you want a, sh- uh, a short story set in modern times, check out the book Sugarman that I co-wrote, co-wrote, co-wrote with former U.S. Army Ranger and Border Special Task Force ass kicker Vincent Rocco Vargas. Um, find those on Amazon. Um, also, uh, vsomstore.com if you want to support the podcast by purchasing some Ali merch. Got your standard stuff on there, t-shirts, hugs. Hugs? You ain't got hugs. You can buy a hug off me if you want. You can buy more off me, you fucking filthy bastards. Buy whatever you want. I've got a price. Everyone's got a price. Mine's low right now. Very low. So uh, check out Vsom store and then send me a DM. See what you can get for your money's worth. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, back to the podcast. Yeah, so like loads of the lads I know um, that served play rugby, um, and I just think that it sets you up so well on the mental side because you have a team, but you also have a team who it's not just like you've done a fucking crossword together. Yeah, you've fucking bled together and like you've pulled people off top of the you're pulling people off the top of your mates and stuff. It's it's very much like combat. Yeah. In, in the sense of like you know like you've like and when it, in rugby as well mate you know that every time you fucking like you play there's a chance you could have a nasty injury well I did it didn't I did it break my leg pretty, really bad which is why I don't play anymore yeah I am um, fucking pussy get back out there oh mate fucking honking <laughs> Honks, it was it was honking is that, did you have it so did you, you didn't play as a kid then played a little bit right oh, but, not, but not like right so you need a bit of fucking juice down here first. <laughs> I, was, I was kidding. I got the ball and was like, what the fuck do I do here? Hang on, mate. Hang on. People are crying now because I didn't give them a full 10 minutes on the war stories. <laughs> right. Let's right. go. So go. let's go back to Africa. Let's go back to Africa. Yeah, so back into 2009. If you, want, if you want more war stories, then go check out some of Dave's posts because he talks about it on there. Yeah, so go back into 2009. Um, that's that's kind of where I think I feel my, um, my problems originated from. Um, that's all. Yeah, where I got my post-traumatic stress from. So that's that's interesting, mate, because do you think that there was any kind of like... do you? So if we imagine a cup right now, do you reckon Iraq put a few drips in the cup and then like Afghan was like the tap turning on? No, nah, mate, I think my childhood put the... Um, put the oh, that's, I think it was my childhood, mate. That's good, mate, that is. I like that. I think, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're spot on, mate. I think it was my childhood, mate. Because, uh, you know, I read somewhere once that... Um, if you if you've had dramas as a kid, you're more, you're more likely to get post traumatic stress, in a, you know it, later on in life if, yeah. if something traumatic happens to you. Yeah. So if you've had a traumatic childhood, you're more likely to get a mental illness when you're older, like post traumatic stress, which I, makes perfect sense, mate. I talked to my counsellor, mate. Went into sp- have a chat with him, and I said to him when I was there, I was like, out of interest, because obviously he wouldn't he wouldn't divulge about in you know he wouldn't divulge individual details, but you know generally yeah. he, you know generally can talk about stuff. So. I asked him, I said, what what percentage of people who have PTSD from combat had something going into it? He said, everyone. Yeah. He said, there was nobody. And, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Jocko Willink, and, um, you know, he says a lot on there, the guys that he's seen, it was always something. And and when I when I 
with my own PTSD, mate, it was definitely linked to my childhood. And people would think that that means you must have got beaten up or your parents must have abused you. Not the case. Yeah. But it can just be the idea, you have an idea, because like a lot of PTSD is linked to your core beliefs. Yeah. And one of my core beliefs was that I wasn't good enough and that I was a piece of shit yeah. and that I was weak. So then that then it was how the PTSD, it's like it gives you, it gives it like a, a, a like a, a toehold. Yeah. So, what was it? What was was there like multitude of incidents that led to it, or was was there one? Or do you think there was one incident that was like it was just like boom? No, no, no. Um, My parents didn't have a very good relationship when I was younger. My dad was in the fire service for fifteen years, right? um, And I, I feel he had. I feel my dad's got post traumatic stress. He won't ever admit he's got that old school mentality. The old school mentality. Drink. What I, what happened to me is exactly what happened to my dad. So in my relationship or my relationships, should I say. Mm-hmm. My relationships were exactly the same way as my mum and dad. Mm-hmm. And as a kid growing up and witnessing my parents arguing constantly and, you know, dad lashing out and just being a wretch, coming back, you know, black eyes, cut, bleeding from scrapping downtown, you know, I witnessed all that as a kid. And it was quite traumatic as a kid to witness that, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's where I think it all come from. I think it's, I think there's a misconception that the violence has to be directed towards you as a kid for it to affect you, which it doesn't. It it's doesn't, just mate, being no. in that. It's just being in that stressful yeah, It's a knock-on effect, isn't it? Because when, you you know, when my dad was putting my mum through that, you know, through all that that stress, my mum wasn't paying me the, the atten- and my sisters the attention that we, we wanted or we needed. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not to say they're bad people or anything, mate. Because no, we all, no. we because like, well, like we'll talk about, we've fucking all fucked up. Oh, mate, fucking we all got um, past. Yeah, I think all I think like our duty is to just you reduce you, what you reduce the harm for the next generation, and and like no, it's it's not going to be like our generation right now. We're not going to fucking be able to take all this stuff out of the next set of children. We can yeah. do our best, but there's still going to be some there, and they're going to have to yeah. improve and improve and improve. And it's the thing where people are going to have to constantly improve. Um. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's what you absorb as a kid. So if you got bullied, like it's, it doesn't have to be one incident. It doesn't have to be like one day that, you know, a bully fucking um, sexually abused you or something like that could obviously cause a trauma. But it could just be that every day for four years, you didn't look forward to going to school because you knew at one point in that day, yeah. someone was going to make you feel like shit. And that adds up. Yeah, well, what we think and feel, it's not taught to us. You pick it up from those around you. So if you're not getting... You know, if you're, if you're not getting the correct, well, I don't know how to put it, mate, without sounding like a dick, but if you're not getting like the correct parenting around you. Yeah. Well, it's, then, like, it's parents, it's, uh, it's, 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 the, it's the enforcement of belief. So if yeah. you've got the belief that you are um, a loser at school or you're a you loser as a kid and, and, and then you just get, and you're not having then, like your, your, your idea is that, wow, this, this, if this is life, this, this kind of sucks. And it's like, yeah. you don't enjoy school. You don't enjoy being at home. You're around constant tension. You're constantly tense. Yeah. You're constantly, you're never going, you're never allowing yourself to be present and happy in a moment because you're worried about what's going to happen next. So yeah. if you live in a house where there is the, like, so, like, I always say to people, like, I've got friends listening right now. You know who you are, and I fucking keep saying this. The idea that you're staying together for the kids is not a good idea. And I know you're doing it out of love, but it's yeah. not a good idea because you think the kids aren't going to notice. They'll notice. They will, yeah. It's going to, they're going to absorb all that tension, all those snide remarks, all of that is going to get absorbed by them. And they'll carry that into their relationships. Yeah. So, if you're listening and you're just staying with someone for the kids, 
you're doing the right thing for the right reasons, but it's the wrong decision. Yeah. And then you say to me, well, you don't have kids, you don't understand. Well, you know, fucking I don't have a car, but I know, well, I don't know, it's not a good idea to drive one into a wall. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. sometimes you need to be on the outside to see these things. And, yeah. and like, yeah, it's, it's, you can, and the other thing as well, you can have the best parents in the world individually who are just bad news as a couple. Yeah. They can both be fucking saints. Yeah. But together they're bad. And that's like that's just life. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean that there's anything against either of those people. Yeah. It's just not the good it's not the good mix, you know. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I'll go back I'll go back to two thousand nine um Afghan. So I was attached to the Welsh Guards for the six months of that tour. Um and you know, I got fucking massive respect for the Welsh Guards, massive respect for them. Um, What's your opinions on Royal Welsh? Apart from the host of Veterans State of Mind is fucking gorgeous. Well, I didn't really work with them, to be honest. I just, just say I'm gorgeous, mate. Just say it. No, don't lie, mate. <laughs> 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 oh, you bad. <laughs> yeah, so um, I got massive respect for the Welsh Guards. Massive respect. Same, mate. Same. Um, I, was, I was staying in touch with quite a lot of them um, as well, which is which is really nice. But anyway, that tour was like fucking traumatic. Massively traumatic. Being on my own, away from my lads. Um having the lads get killed back in um you know back in my teams and mm-hmm. um and then shouldering like an indigenous force and um, I think what the thing people don't understand about working with indigenous forces mate is you don't get the release that you do from talking to the blokes well that's it mate I was fucking isolated a lot of it as well you know I, I was isolated although I had the Welsh guards to talk to you know I spent a lot of my time with these Afghans to be accepted as one of them you have to live eat and sleep with them mate yeah. Um, and, I I, and I think that's fine. That's fine. Like that's fine. But oh, mate, you yeah. shouldn't be doing it on your own. No, no. Well, this is own. where it changed, mate. Oh, um, it has changed. Is it? Yeah, they started doing it twice season in the end. Right, good. I good. mean, you're, do, you're doing a fucking. I was only a, a senior Tom at the time, senior private mate. Right. Yeah, I was a senior private mate, and I was doing a full screw job, mate. Yeah, but it's not even the tactical side, mate. It's the the fact of you needing that one person that you can because like the fact is like the the afghans are human beings you're a human being but culturally you're very different like their thing is like they're thinking when they die they go to paradise and stuff they can't relate and have a chat about being worried the same way as two british lads die because for us mate we think that when it's out you'd like most lads in the british army are not religious yeah you know we think that it's lights out once that happens so yeah. you're not gonna because they'll just be like oh inshallah it's like no mate it's not inshallah i don't want to die yeah well, it also comes down to the fact that if I got shot, I'm fucked, mate. Because yes, they can't you know square that. me away. Yeah, you They've know not got that. medical tra- training to square me. I knew if I got shot, being out with those... In that six-month period, I knew if I got shot, I was fucked. Yeah. They can't use your comms equipment to radio in to say he's been shot or fucking blown up. You're screwed. And they ain't going to carry me back to camp, mate. Mm-hmm. They're going to leave me out on the ground. Yeah. And I'll probably fall into the hands of fucking, you know... Taliban get cut up yeah. and fucking dude the, 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 that reminds me of a story my granddad told me about some people he knew these guys they were with her like West Africa rifles or something like that and um, there was a couple of them Brits with them and they knew that if they got shot they'd get left behind so they were like right if I get shot then finish me off so the Japs don't get me Yeah. so one of them got shot and he said he was lying there shitting himself that his mate would find him because <laughs> he's like I knew if he found me he was just going to shoot me <laughs> so he was hiding from his mate and eventually got rescued yeah. but, I just, but, but that's the that's the attack like you know mate with the blokes right like let's say for fuck's sake we know like shout out to those fucking lads who strap themselves to the side of a fucking Apache to go back and get their blokes. We're not leaving blokes behind. We're yeah. treating blokes. We'd, we'd rather die than leave someone behind. 
that that's you can't know that of them. Yeah, and that's and that's even as a stranger, mate. If you're if like you talking about the Welsh Guards, if they knew that there was a British soldier that they never met yeah. two hundred yards away, and there's IEDs between and a fucking tracer flying everywhere, they're going after that person. Well, they come in a few times to get me out of the shit because yeah. I, I mean I was in the shit, mate, a few times. Um, being like a tiger team, they send you into areas generally that they've never been before because it's it's almost like a recce force, right? Rather than British soldiers going into this area. And the whole, you know, village running away because they think the Brits come in to like, kill them. Mm. Um, oh, this, it, you this, know, this, if a friendly this, face, right. like, the Afghans come into the village first. Mm. And the Afghans know how to sense things. It's their playground at the end of the day. They can sense if something's bad, like a bad mood, bad vibes. Or, you know, fucking, I was walking through a town one day and he went, that's a Taliban hospital. Whoa. And I said, how the fuck do you know that? Let's get in there. <laughs> but when we went in there, we found loads of Viagra. Was, Jer- was Jeremy Corbyn in there? <laughs> <laughs> Just found stacks of Viagra, mate. Gen- really? Gen, mate, yeah. Fucking, I tell you what, right? Sometimes I think about joining the Taliban because apparently they have really good amphetamines. They got now I know that they've got Viagra. Yeah. Um, they don't have to shave. Yeah. They've got a lot of stuff going for them, mate, yeah. to be fair. If yeah. I had a recruiting post to go in, if I if I had asked if I had an Aston Villa tattoo, I'd probably be fucking out there too. Yeah. But yeah, I was told to go to um to attach the Welsh, you know, be attached to the Welsh guards. They were taking a bit of a kick in, um, and I knew the risks. Went out there knowing that if you know if I got got a slice, I'd be left probably fall into the Taliban hands or whatever. But I didn't really care to be honest. I'm there to do a job, and if they need my help, they need my help. What, what did you have to take yourself out? Did you have Did you have like a fucking grenade for yourself? No, or something. No. And one of the lads sent me a lad from another unit sent me, sent me a message the other day to say that he had one that was a. Uh, it was a, it was like goodbye grenade, and he'd written like goodbye with a smiley face on it, and he kept that. For, I thought that's some good British fucking squaddy humour for you. That is, you know. But, but yeah. that's that, that's you know that's a weird thing about our wars, mate. Um, you know the Falklands and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Prisoner of war was something that could happen. It's weird to think that our thing, the idea of surrendering to an enemy, has never been. It's never even been something that would be discussed. It's like it's never like they've 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 they obviously tell you like what to expect if you get captured, which is basically expect to get raped and then yeah. beaten. But like you know, in the Second World War and stuff, there's a lot of British there's a lot of British veterans in uh, from Korea, yeah. from the Second World War and stuff who were prisoners of war. Not happening in this day and age. The Taliban, um, the Taliban, the, the Afghans actually left me behind once. Did you read it on the post on, on Instagram? I don't need your point. We're in a convoy. Usually, once I I get done with me wank, come on. (laughs) We had a a convoy uh, on this tour. Now, it was either go in the the wagon with the Welsh Guards and the um, Mastiffs or go in soft skin vehicles in the Ford Rangers. And I thought, if I go in the Ford Rangers, I got better. You know, I can gain control of lads better if we get ambushed. Previously, we got ambushed and they just fucking use all their ammo up, mate. Um, So I went in soft skin. Now, I had a 66 and we got ambushed. So I fucking got out with my 66 and left my G3 in the in the wagon went around the corner of this building and fired it at a position and then another PKM position opened up on me so I thought I'd run back to the vehicle quick ran around the corner and they'd fucked off <laughs> so I was legging it up the road and just all I had was my pistol mate just legging it up the road chasing after the wagons good blokes didn't think say oh you know riders were off <laughs> mental they are just like they are they are a different breed in that sense they are like they are human beings but they're they awesome warriors they, though they, yeah they are they don't approach wars the same like we're British soldiers we're like professional soldiers we're like right this is how things get done this is the bill like you could slot into the Welsh Guards and you know how a section attack is going to work yeah right you know it's we, we were all based on this thing and we well for them it's just it, it's more like here's a weapon now there's the enemy, and I'm kind of just figure it out as you go along. Yeah. And because you'll see, you'll see them like when it, I, I really enjoy watching the combat footage from Syria and stuff. 
because they're basically learning on the job. Yeah. And you're just watching them and they're shouting back and forth. And then one bloke will go, oh, okay, I'll try. Oh, his head's gone. His head's gone. Yeah. Right, don't go that way. But there's no, there's no coherent. And this, this is why when we have come up against, they have tried to stand and fight. This is why they get, you know, brushed aside. And like the Iraqi army, you know, you got one of the biggest armies in the world at the time. Things there's they, no command and control, really. Yeah. yeah like they, they're, good, they're good fighters, mate. They know our tactics. But there's no command and control, mate. Yeah, and that that's mass. That's massive. Like, and the, the, I've I've complained before about there being too much command and control in the British Army. Micromanaging, mate. Micro-managing. And that comes down to trust, mate. Yeah, it's because these senior, well, these officers got no trust in the blokes, mate. They still think, I reckon, this is Jen, my opinion, that they still think we're the scum of the earth, like not like uh, well, mate. My last officer I ended up with, he was a marine um, when I was in F Company. Hated me, mate. Um, and and I strongly believe it's because I switched on because I had a lot of operational tours in them about. Yeah. But you know, by the time I got to the end of my career, I had a lot of operational tours in them about more than like most. And that was just from being in the right place at the right time, and bouncing around companies. And he hated the fact that I had a lot of operational experience. Again, mate, it comes down to if you're slagging someone off quite often, it's going to be down to yeah, insecurity. Yeah, and um, I, yeah. I, I, like I'll be I'll be the first one. I'll be the first one saying, mate, like like the, the battle against you, like you're a mate of mine. And I know that it doesn't make you any better of a person because of the experiences you've been in. There's still a part of me that is really like that. There's that little part of your ego that's like, oh, how come he got to do these things? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's that. That is a part of all of us. And but in that guy, he's allowed it to manifest itself yeah. and then control his decision making. Like, it's no reflection on him what you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I've done that tour. Um, I, lo- I lost like one of my really good mates on that tour, Kev Mulligan. Um, and you know I went back to the lads and I was trying to be that shoulder to cry for the lads or that senior bloke because I was a senior yeah, bloke senior I was trying to like square the blokes away you know give them the fucking pet talks right we hit them harder you yeah. don't fucking we don't sit and cry now we hit them harder every time we go back at that camp gate we smash them and we just take the fight to them but, I, but it hit me when I got back because I didn't mourn in that time because I was trying to look after all the lads when I was on the flight on the way back that's when it fucking crashed down on me. You can't, you can't more, and that's the thing, mate. Like as we said before on this podcast a bunch of times, it's you know they're gone, but you don't actually know they're gone. No, because you haven't had a funeral or anything like that. Because yeah. like whenever you lose a friend, if it's like you get that text and you get that or phone call, I should say, to say like such and such has died in a car crash or such and such has passed away in the hospital, you always have that moment of disbelief. Yeah, but then. You get you meet up, you talk to people, you go to the hospital, you go to the funeral, and it it dawns on you. But you're on tour. It might be that that morning you said to somebody like, right, all right, mate, how's it going? And you never see that person again. And well, and, and that's and I think that that not sinking in is you know part of it. Well, the, the other thing as well, they're completely erased from your life, aren't they? As soon as you get packed to camp, mate, their name's taken off the door. Their kit equipment's gone, mate. That they're literally from the moment they die erased from your. Well, not erased from your life. They are pretty much erased from your life because all they physically, right? Yeah, physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're gone, mate. Um, yeah. so, so they're not being brought up all the time. You know, you're not you know you're not looking at something and thinking, "Fucking hell," you know, about that guy. Yeah. Um. And a, yeah, Sorry, the, and a few near death experiences on that tour as well. Um, getting fucking blown up a few times, and and also losing my Afghans, mate. When I built up that relationship with my Afghans, and you know. When I finally accepted them, and they finally accepted me, and we had that fucking relationship. When I lost one of them, it was just like losing one of the blokes. Because well, they are human beings, mate. Yeah, it was just like losing one of the blokes. This is why I get fucking pissed off, mate. Because like I've we talked about this, there's a uh, ten thousand, ten thousand, right? Just let that number sink in. 
10,000 Kurds died just in the fight against ISIS. Yeah. Each one of those is a human being that fought alongside coalition forces, right? So people are like, ah, right, fuck it, ISIS are gone. Yeah, they, yeah ISIS are gone. Guess how they went? By yeah. 10,000 Kurds dying yeah. and Iraqi soldiers dying. And I see it on Instagram sometimes, mate. I see people belittling Iraqi soldiers and stuff. I'm like, one, this guy's probably done more than you've ever done. Like, he's probably seen fighting that you've never even fucking come close yeah. to. And, like, you're going to belittle him because, like, like as a force, are we a better, quote-unquote, force? You know, are we more professional? Have we run away from ISIS and that kind of stuff? No, we haven't. But that's not a reflection most of the time on the individual soldier. It's yeah. leadership, you know. Like, we do have... We might not like there's there's issues with the British leadership, but we do have a good overall. It's good leadership, you know. Yeah. It's it could be better, but it's better than the enemy, you know, and a lot better than the enemies. Um, and I just think that my, I think that like uh, we've had you know Dean talk about it as well, and um, you know Dean was very good. Like when I worked on the like Relentless with Dean, uh, one of the things that he was really keen to stress was that nothing gets done without the local forces. So if you think, and I mean, I don't believe that we've won any of these wars anyway, but if you believe that we, any, you, you can't take any credit for anything good that has happened without giving credit to the local forces, because it doesn't yeah. happen without them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what pisses me off when people start painting all Muslims with a... There's a lot of racism, there's a lot of racism in this country, mate. It does, my fucking, it, it does matter when I see you fucking, you know, when a terrorist attack happens, it's like, oh, the fucking Muslims, you're like, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, and it's, it's the same way as like... Uh, It'd be, it's the same way as just like if there's a fight in town. Like, let's say the Welsh bloke gets into a fight in Gloucester. Am I to blame? Am I? Well, I might be. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is the call to arms, let, boys. Let's, let's Rise not, up. Let's not go into that bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's true, though, mate, that like this idea of like, look, if a fucking local population didn't want, like, if the local population were, I'm not saying they did, they did want us or they didn't, but that, like, that's beside this point. This point I'm saying right now is if they were all against us, we wouldn't have lasted a week there. Yeah. You know, I think most of them just wanted to be left in peace, to be honest. Yeah. But if they, if most of them didn't want us to be there, then we would never have been able to, like, you're not going to be able to hang on into a town, in a town if everyone in that town wants you out. Yeah. You're gone. You're done. Yeah. Because we've seen that. Like the British Empire, you've seen that with the British Empire. When a country decides that everyone decides we want them out, that's when you lose your chunks of the empire. Yeah. But I think, to be honest, mate, the British Empire has. Um, you know, I'm proud of like I'm proud of my regiment. I'm proud of my country. I'm you know we've done things wrong. The same as as an individual, I, I'm proud of myself, but I've done things wrong. You know, but I think there's a hangover of empire where people feel like because they're British, they have this superiority over other countries. Well, yeah. I may tell you, Shag, that you don't. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the people that think that a lot of the time are the people who've actually never fucking done anything anyway. Like, they're hanging on the coattails of empire looking for some kind of glory because they've done fuck all themselves. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, mate. All right, thank you. Right, end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's just, it just makes me really sad, mate, because it's like, you, you can't, you know, you can't claim to be like, uh, like, oh, fucking Poles coming over, blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't have a problem with them when they're and when you watch Bridge Too Far, you're like, oh, fucking great fires! Look at them, proud of them. It's like you can't have one way or not the other, Shag. It's yeah, like, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's economically and things like that, the factual arguments and stuff. Yeah, fine, but just there's this there's this thing that again, mate, it's very prevalent on Twitter. This this idea that you know that we're somehow better than other countries and that. 
our ways are best and, oh, well, they're fucking idiots if they don't want to have a democracy like ours. Look, all you do is complain about our shit, our democracy is. Like, there's, there's, a, there's, there's other ways of doing things that might not work for us, but they might work, they might work for them. Like, yeah. it's very fucking, it's very... Um, demeaning and and kind of like to just be like yeah we've got we've got all the answers this is how you do it well obviously not because if it was that great everyone would embrace it if you came to me right now i'm hoping you're going to and you're like here's a foolproof way to make a million pounds well i'd follow it wouldn't i but if i'm like i don't really don't really buy into it because he's out he's not made a million pounds so why should i so i know i know where make a a million pounds actually i'm not gonna say it though all right tell me off there yeah, I will. Tell me off there. Is it scamming the listeners? Because I've been I've been looking for a nice scam. If you go on my Facebook, there's a post on it. Right, cool. We'll go there. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, the mics were still on. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, but like this, um, this when people are looking at the dis- like the disharmony we've got in our own countries. Yeah. Well, but we're not exactly a utopia that they're going to be like. Oh yeah, that looks really yeah. good. They're like these guys just arguing. Their families break down. It's like yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Vote the Taliban 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right, give me one second. Like... Right. Right, mate. So now that we've wet people's whistles with some fucking war dits. Um, what do we go into now? A uh, bit what, of mental health? What I want to go into now, mate, is your pants. <laughs> Get them off. Um, what I want to go into now is um, let's go through the let's go through the self-destructive spiral of Dave Radband. Fucking hell, that was a big one. Yeah, that yeah. We got we got thirty minutes, mate. So yeah. So um, anyway, well, yeah. When I first started, well, to be honest with you, my missus was the first one that started noticing changes in my behaviour. Right. Um, I thought it was just normal fucking power edge behaviour, mate, to be honest with you. I thought it was like, you know, we're all fucking nuts. <laughs> well, which is, to a degree, true. Yeah. Um, but because I think you see this, those changes in everybody, I know there's lads in the reg now that have got their issues. They say they haven't, but I fucking have. know they have, mate. Mate, I'm not being funny. Half the lads working on the circuit. Yeah, yeah. They say they ain't got issues, say they don't believe in post-traumatic stress. Bullshit, mate. I can see the same shit that happened to me I, and them. I don't believe in post-traumatic stress. You just need a man up, he says, as he drinks another glass of whiskey and punches a window through. Yeah, yeah. You squared. see it all the time, though. I've got a mate who squared up to himself in the, mir- in the mirror. I had a flat-out argument with himself in the mirror once. And I was like, what, post-traumatic stress not real? He's like, nah, mate, I'm all right. It's like, fucking so It's right. like you're drinking three bottles of whiskey a week. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just in reg. Yeah. Like, well, fucking hell. So, um, so, yeah, so I went to the MO, the, actually, the medical officer. Because right. um, I, I, come, I come back off the 2011 tour early. Was that, um, was that Afghan again, was it? Yeah, so when I, got, when I got blown up and I started noticing, like, you know, fucking what was anxiety... Um, I was going back out on ops, do fucking, and, and to be fair, mate, I was having some fucking good ops out there, getting some proper good scraps and enjoying it. But at the same time, I was going coming back. I'll have a few hours of sleep, wake up in the morning, and I'd have that fucking anxiety again. Um, it was very up and down on that tour. Now I come back early because my dad slipped into a diabetic coma, um, and I just ended up staying back in the UK. Um, and my missus started noticing. I was just staring into dead fucking space. I was like twitching at night, fucking waking up and just pacing around the house because I couldn't, couldn't fucking sleep, mate. Um, having flashbacks and shit, you know, nightmares. So anyway, I went to see the MO and they just said the fucking, your anger issues. And I was like, fucking, all right, sound. Yeah, like every every infantry soldier. So I was like, sound, yeah, mega. So I was like, some missus, I've got anger issues. Yeah. And she said, no, you haven't. I'm coming with you this time. So we went, wow. back, we went back to see the MO with her. And, um, 
basically she said there's being angry and violent and there's angry and emotional mm. Dave's angry and emotional he's not angry and violent it did turn into violence, but at the start of it, it was angry and emotional. Yeah, that's that's very that's very kind of insightful of her to notice that diff- that's a very subtle but very important distinction. Yeah, well, your missus knows you fucking better than anyone else, really, doesn't she? She knows you better than Blake sometimes. She knows you inside out. <laughs> 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 right, I knew the deal those were coming out at some point. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, So, um, can't have a fucking serious conversation. Me. We managed 30 seconds of serious mental health conversation, and now we're talking about penises. Yeah. All right, come on then. Penises, so, yeah. So, uh, I was struggling when I was in the reg, mate. But the, the fucking shit thing was that the officers were putting it down to being lazy. If you sleep in, you know, you put it down to being lazy. There's a massive change. If you look at my reports, which I've, I kept all my reports, I used to go on fucking. You could with JPL. I used to log in, type my fucking name in the search engine in documents, and get all my things up and print them off. You could do that. Well, yeah, I used to. What's that like for Freedom of Information Act, mate? You could just go and look at anybody's fucking issue, anything. Someone print mine off for me, please. So I got, yeah, I got mine all in a fucking in a tree at home. But there's a massive change in my behaviour, mate. Um, and more reports. And people put down to like fucking laziness, and they, they don't actually think, right, what the fuck's wrong with this That's guy? Such bad leadership, mate. He's got, you know, he's had an awesome career. And he got to this point in his career, you know. And he's fucking going downhill. What, what's mate? I bang on about this all the time. It's like, right, we've got this NCO. He's done great. He's done three tours. He's been gleaming. We've thrown him on every course possible. Oh, he's used drugs. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. He hasn't done him for twelve years. Yeah. He's just come back from Afghan. Lost one of his good mates. Maybe we should have a little look at this. But you don't give a fuck, do you? Yeah. You cunts. So anyway, um, I was put into F Company um, towards the end of the, in the, you know, the end of my career, which was. Um, it was Marines. So why was it the end of your career, mate? Had you decided to make it the end of your career or were they like, right, no, we're they kicked this me out. I got kicked out for performance enhancing drugs. Oh. The officer I spoke to you about earlier that fucking hated me because I had a lot to talk to them about grass me up. Right. So you were, well, performance enhancing drugs was, you just taking steroids, yeah? Yeah. How long, and you've been doing that for a while, have you? Since 2009. Ah. Yeah, I've doing it for a long time. Mate, the fucking half the blokes were on it, mate. Right, i got to tell something to people something. I'll full, full disclosure, I've used port for performer. Obviously, it doesn't make my mouth perform. Uh, I've used performance enhancing drugs, used steroids, and um, I guess when I started using them, mate. Don't know. When my PTSD kicked in. Yeah. And um, reason why, um, now looking at it, psychoanalyst, at the time, I was like, oh, I I was like, if my physique became, felt like very important to me and stuff. And now looking back on it, I think it was because I felt weak, I felt pathetic, I felt unworthy. I felt unworthy of the women that were interested in me. I felt unworthy of my family. I felt unworthy of my friends. And I think that, to be fair, we are told by society to value looks and physique and things like that. And I think it was an attempt to make myself feel more valuable by looking more I think quote, mine, quote, valuable. Mine was more because I got into training. Because I was struggling, I found a passion for training mm-hmm. and just you know being in the gym, throwing weights around. Yeah. And you know, one of the lads was like, right, as you tried this? And I thought, now you can throw bigger weights around. I didn't think it was like for the fact that I was trying to find comfort. No, you're wrong. I'm I'm the professional. (laughs) But it was nothing. You were making up for a tiny penis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's nothing to do with comfort. I just done it because fucking, you know, I just wanted to be fucking huge. Okay, yeah, but why did you want to be huge? Fucking, you know, see anyway, what I mean? But it's you, like, why, but, why do you want to be huge, though, innit? And it's like, okay, I want to lift big I've weights. Not really done that a makes you feel good. Well, yeah, I'm doing it right now, mate. Yeah. It's a veteran state of mind, not veteran state of penis. <laughs> <laughs> so put so, it away. So yeah, I got, I got kicked out for, um, I got kicked out for performance and arts and drugs. Um, Was there any p- appeals process or anything like that? Did 
Like, well, they the, tried to keep me in. But, oh, so they actually Gen wanted to. My CEO, my series, my old sergeant major from 2009, to, um, sergeant major OC from the uh, 2009 tour, um, and he he'd done everything to try and keep me in. Yeah. Um, I, I've got to say, mate, the fact that you can't do steroids in the military is absolutely bonkers. But the Americans allow it, don't they? I I think they allow it under the under the carpet. Like the you've seen. I think it's over the age of. Well, I think it's over a certain. Well, and yeah, but too. you've also seen American SF operators. Oh well, yeah. Uh, you take one look at them, and you know that they're all fucking juiced up yeah. to eyeballs. The they're not getting fucking CDT. By the way, this is not like this is not saying go and do gear. I'm not saying go and um, do it. I'm, I'm not going to say it yeah. whatsoever. But what I am saying is that in a job, where and and by the way, when I'm saying that performance enhancers should be allowed in the military, I mean under supervision of the yeah. military. I don't mean you go and see fucking Barry down the gym and he fucking jabs you. What I'm saying is... Get 10 mil of fucking well, What I'm you. saying is you are doing one of the most physically demanding things in the, in the world. This, this, The job of being an infantry soldier and a para will break down your back, your knees, all these different yeah. things. So giving it growth hormone, like say giving yourself growth hormone... I don't see how that's a bad idea. And if anything, it would actually probably be able to keep a lot of people in the service for longer. And the thing is, like, let's be realists about this. A lot of lads are going to do it anyway, and they will fuck up their emotional state because it's done under supervision with fucking bro science. If it's done through an actual monitored program, will some people still go out and take advantage? Of course. There's always going to be people who do that. But And I'm not saying that you slap everybody on this. But there's a time and a place for it. And I don't think that, I think like, well, these guys are getting bigger and strong. They're, they're getting bigger, they're getting stronger, they're getting faster. How is that a bad thing for soldiers? Yeah. I don't see that. And oh, that's, that's a bad mate, thing. I, I never failed a fitness test while I was in. Never yeah. failed one, mate. And if, if, if anything, I was fucking... But they're little fackens are all right, mate. I was, a, I was a good operator, mate. Yeah, they'll kick, they'll kick you out for performance enhancers, but they're not going to kick you out for going to buy, buy 10 bags of Doritos every night. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah. Don't make any sense. Yeah, and, you got, and you do get lads a fail fitness test, mate. And, you know, and they, all they get put on is remedial PT. You know, like fucking... Yeah, they just and they want to go on remedial PT because someone like me t- takes it and they get to come and look at you every day and they're like, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, just be like a fucking chef. Yeah, um, but it's, it's true, mate. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't stack up. It doesn't add up to me that you would lose an experienced operator over that. It just makes no sense. Yeah. But again, it's not saying, if you're 13 right now and you're thinking about going to juice yourself up to the eyeballs, don't do it. It's a fucking stupid idea. You'll fuck yourself up. Do not do it. If you are 35 years old and your testosterone starting to go down naturally and you want to go and see a doctor about it and stuff, I would say crack on. Yeah. There's a time and a, there's a, time and a place for everything. And, and there's a time and a place, you know, for that. Um, and again, it's one of those things in the military, you know you're going to get kicked out for doing certain things which me it which takes talking off the table so it, like, it could be that you feel like so because i know this is like the case in like uh pro sports a lot of the times people are like well, well why would people do why would people take steroids in pro sports if they know they're going kick, to get kicked out well because it comes a point where your body just can't handle things anymore without help and it's your choices like if you if you say oh my god you can't handle it anymore you're going to get kicked out. So like in the military, if you feel like you can't do the fizz and stuff anymore without performance enhancers, you you don't want to leave. Like, yeah. So, but because it's such a black and white line, there's no nobody feels like they can come forward to talk. And this is this true for guys that are taking, uh, say like, let's say guys are taking um, some kind of like opioid to uh, deal with um, emotional angst. They know, and then they go, all right, this has become too much of a problem. They know they can't come forward. Yeah. So they just have to double down on it. And it, it's bonkers that there can't be 
any just discussion about this stuff. It's it's because you lose good blokes out of it. And like from the country's point of view, you've spent so much time and money on these blokes that it makes no sense from anyone's standpoint why you'd want to get rid of them. Yeah, I, I know a lot of good blokes have been kicked out. I know um, loads, mate. Yeah, which, which is... Which is which... And I got to say, actually, some of the best blokes I know. Yeah. Like some of the best blokes I know who probably would have done 22 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mental, mate. But yeah, anyway, yeah. when I left the left the military, mate, that's when all the, all the troubles really started, mate. Because I started noticing I had, I had problems, mate. Right. That's when I started to notice, you know, I've got real issues here. Um, Did you, when you realised those things, were you like, oh, I better work on this? Or were you just like, right, how can I distract myself from dealing with this? Yeah, distract myself from it, mate. How would you do that? I wasn't going to fucking go and ask for help, mate, at that time. All right, so, I'd, okay, okay like, let me back up one second, mate. I should have backed up on this. What was your feeling towards people with mental health issues and what was your feeling towards how people would perceive you i was still trying to be in that mentality i didn't believe in it i was still trying to be a reg bloke mate so you didn't believe so that you'd say the reg attitude at the time was it doesn't exist even though i had the even though i started to feel i had issues mm-hmm. i was trying to block it out right so do, you, do, you get, you, do you get that yeah fucking 100 i do trying to I, I went I went down the same route that most people do and go, nope, you're being a pussy. All you need to do is drink and have a good fight. You'll be yeah, fine. That's exactly what I was doing. Exactly what I was doing. But um, it was also that stigma, you know, it was also that stigma of mental health, mate. I didn't want to be that guy that come out and went, I've got fucking post-traumatic stress. Mm. And all the blokes back in the reds going, fucking pussy. pussy. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. Because you feel like it undermines, or doesn't matter how many contacts you've been in, doesn't matter like you've got an MID, all that, you're going to feel that people are going to say, oh, you guess he wasn't a good soldier after all, guess he was a pussy. And that's exactly it, mate. Because I was regarded as a, a good fucking soldier, mate, and a good bloke, I didn't want to lose that title, mate. I didn't want to lose Radders. You know those stories that people are going to talk about for years, Radders done this, Radders done that, you know. I didn't want to lose those titles, mate. Yeah. I want to be spoken. I want it to be spoken about. You felt like you just get cut out of the of the regiment, and because it's like because it's obviously it was become it's a huge part of your identity. So you'd be like cutting away your identity. Well, for a long time, mate, I, I honestly believe that I was put on this planet to fight wars. I am a war fighter, mate. I was put on this planet to fight wars, mate. No other reason. I, I believe that for a long time. Do you, do you do you believe that still? Because I, I, I actually believe that. I believe a certain amount of people are put on the planet to fight wars. Yeah, exactly. But I also that that doesn't mean that's the only reason yeah. put on the planet. Yeah, I still believe that, mate, because, you know, if it come to it and I had to go back to a war, you know, good at it. I'd be like, fucking come on then, boys. Yeah, some fucking scrap, lads. Right, Radders, uh, you know, it's kicked off. Well, fucking bags packed, mate. They've been packed since I left the army. I'm know? the same way. <laughs> mate, I was very happy when I saw the TA reserve age because yeah. I slag off the recruiting of stuff of the army, but it's actually worked out for me in a way because I saw the TA recruiting age now. It's like 50 for a Tom. Yeah. So I was like, oh, nice. So I got another 14 years. And that's why I, one of the reasons I keep on top of my fears it's so that I could just go back and get on another tour, mate. Because yeah. if it was another, if it was another, if it was another two thousand and nine, yeah, fucking, I'm sure I, I won't be able to get any guests for this podcast because we'd all be back there. And do you know what? That's the very confusing thing is when you actually realise you've got post traumatic stress. You think, how can I have post traumatic stress? Because I would go back. I love it. Yeah, love it. So you start doubting yourself, and you're like, what the fuck? Because for a long time, I thought, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is the issue? What? What? I don't even know what's wrong with me. I haven't got a fucking clue what's wrong with me. Um, you have presumably no one... Because it's like, say you've got a bad leg, yeah. you know, you go, oh, 
I know fucking Barry had bad leg. I'll go and ask Barry how he, like, oh, I want to get my quads bigger. I go and talk yeah. to Johnny Big Quads. Yeah. With mental health, you're like, right, well, I'm the only one that's got this. Because no one talks about it. You think you're the only person who yeah. has it. Yeah, bro, this is it, mate. And um, I was getting into a lot of fucking trouble, mate. Getting arrested every five minutes, scrapping downtown. I was trying to find that fucking buzz, mate, again. Where was this? Like Colchester? Or something? Where, where is it? Oh, no, you were down South Wales, weren't you? Like, well, filling in Rathblakes outside Bryce Norton, mate. Ah, well, um, <laughs> were they Rath Reg? It didn't help, but I had a fucking... Well, the relationship I was in at the time, um, my little boy's mum, with, when I was on tours and that, mate, she was constantly shagging raft blokes. Um, God, the fucking. You know, terrorist. coming back, finding all that out, mate, and then fucking. How could she go from you to raft blokes? Oh no, mate. I, don't, I can't buy that. No, stories full of holes. Yeah, well, my little, my little <laughs> boy's got a regberry in his room now with like loads of reg memorabilia. Nice. I know she's gonna tap up a raft bloke, mate, and my little boy will have a stepdad who's a raft bloke. So I just wanted his room full of reg stuff. Make, um, make those Christmas dinners. Nice and awkward for him, mate. Fucking right, mate. Young kids, like, young kids like fucking just staring at you. I like it, mate. I'm like it. I'm into it. <laughs> so no offence to anyone that's listening. Please go and buy some veggies at my merch. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was, you know, the relationship breakdown and all, you know, and all this just all added to that, that, that stress. And I didn't really know what was going on in my life. And I was trying to find that buzz. I thought uh, I was having in contact and just fighting and getting into trouble. And, and you know what? It felt fucking good at the time, mate. Having a scrap does feel good. Yeah. Mate. But it's a, do you know what it become? It become an addiction, just like be, being an Afghan, mate. And it does I mean, we, it does become an well, addiction. When you, you never broke the addiction, that's the thing. Yeah. You, know, you, you were looking for conflict. You were looking for conversation. We had lads in. We had uh, Rich Jones come in when he was talking about why he got into selling 50 kilos of, transporting 50 kilos of coke. And it was because he was trying to find that buzz he had on the streets taking of Northern risk, Ireland. Risk taking exactly, bro. Well, th- th- this is where my little boy came about because uh, you know my kids are born three months apart. Right. Um, cheated on my missus with my ex, and born kids are born three months apart because I was chasing that buzz, mate. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I don't regret it because I've two amazing yeah. kids. Well, yeah, but also, mate, even if even in this the the instances without the kids, so the fighting, for instance. One of the things I always used to do, mate, and I know I'm speaking for a lot of people here, is the old beep, beep, woomph, you're out your car, yeah. banging on the window. Yeah. Because you know what? That was a similar thing to you're in the vehicle, bump, 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 you're out the fucking vehicle. Yeah. It's a similar thing. Like yeah. you, you, It's that reaction that you yeah. want it. And it gives you that fucking buzz. Yeah. And then you know you shouldn't have done it, but it did give you a buzz. It's that heightened sense of alertness, isn't it? And, it's, and, it gives and, you and a that buzz. feels good. Yeah. It feels so good, mate. Yeah. So... I was stuck in a cycle of that, mate. And I, you know, abusing the booze and fucking drugs. And that, and that, I would guess, is because you've gone up and then you're trying to come down. Yeah. So you're using the the booze and stuff to try and yeah. do that, right? I, I, yeah. And then drugs come into it because I was, and I was taking drugs, mate, because I had no one telling me I couldn't do it anymore. Because obviously in the military, mm-hmm. I know I took ster- um, steroids, but still, yeah, yeah I know you too. Because I left the army, I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this shit. And then that became a cycle, mate. And it just fucking my life just spiraled out of control. And it got to the point last year where um, things just got fucking really out of hand. Um, and because I didn't know what was wrong with me, I was going into the NHS and I said to the, you know, I was saying to the NHS, what's the fuck wrong with me? Well, I want to know what's wrong with me. And they said, you don't need to know what's wrong with you. And I said, I fucking do need to know. What? That's so, I said, so anyway, they give me like the post-traumatic stress, like shit, mate, sat there in front of somebody, filled out these forms, post-traumatic stress, give me a title. Going back to see them. And by the way, I'm not slagging the NHS off because they're an awesome you know fucking service but they're shit with veterans shit because they don't know how to approach us i go back and see my counsellor and he'd be like so what you been doing then david i'll be you know spending time with my kids oh what are their names mate i've been seeing you for the last three fucking months mm. 
and you're just giving me one because you know there's no yeah that sucks that you had that experience there's, there's so. no relationship there you, you're just ticking boxes I'm just turning up here just to tick a box yeah um I gotta say I, I got shout out my, my, my Mark I think I got very lucky because he was fantastic oh, that's good mate like really fantastic like I couldn't ask to um, we're gonna have him on at some point but oh, that's fantastic. awesome mate yeah, he's fair fantastic base, but yeah, um, so mate, like, so you hit the rock. What was the rock bottom moment for you, mate? What was the lowest of the low? Well, that's where um, my parents were away for the weekend, and um, they were, I can't remember where they were, but they were away for the weekend anyway. And I thought, fuck it, that's it, I'm killing myself. Can't be asked with no more because I'm fucking out of control. If I don't kill, well, most people throw a party when the parents go away, mate. Well, yeah, well, I thought if I don't kill myself, I'm going to kill someone out, and I, I was actually scared that I was going to kill someone at some, at some point, mate. And yeah, it, you know, I, can, I understand. Yeah, and, and, I, and I was scared of that, of that mate. So um, I fucking hung myself. Really? Yeah, and I was, and um, my parents come back early from where they were, found me hanging. Yeah. Um, and my dad managed to cut me down. Jesus um, Christ, mate! Yeah, and, and they revived me. Um, I, I was brought back to life, mate. Fuck. Uh, yeah, mate, that's mega. That's probably the fucking alliest story we've had on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's, that's Ali though, mate, because that's like. That's a true rock bottom. Like, you'd gone through rock bottom. Yeah. Like, you weren't like, oh, I want it. Like, you'd actually oh, it gone deeper, mate. through it. Fucking hell, cool. So, um, yeah, so I hung myself and I thought, I fucking failed. I failed at that. And I, oh, I, so you felt shit about it. And I actually wanted to die, mate. When I, I remember waking up and I was saying, what the fuck am I still doing here? Why am I here? What? And I was fucking bawling my eyes out. My mum was fucking holding me in her arms, mate. And it was fucking, yeah, it was, it was mental. Uh, paramedics come and all that bollocks. Um, I checked my neck over. I had to go to fucking have it all looked at, and um, and then I was just putting you know with a, in touch with a crisis team. So I went through that whole process again, um, and I just went to hit rock bottom again. I was still in rock bottom. I just wanted to die, mate. So I just fucking got a knife. So there was no sense of oh thank god I didn't. I now recognise how great life is. You were like fuck, should it like I fucked up? And did you feel even worse because you'd like now your parents had gone through that and stuff yeah well no well, not really mate i didn't at the time i didn't really give a shit about anyone right okay gotcha well, i was still gotcha. in that mindset i didn't really yeah. give it all i wanted to do was die mate to be honest with you i was scared i was gonna kill someone and i was fucking feeling i just wanted to get out this cycle of fighting drinking booze taking drugs and just being a fucking idiot basically yeah. um so i thought best way to do it is just end my life so um fourth of july last year last year yeah last year I got a knife and I stuck it straight in my stomach, mate. Fucking hell, mate. Yeah, got a scar there, look. Um, stabbed myself, bleeding out, fucking pissing blood everywhere. Um, and paramedics come and managed to fucking... How did the paramedics come? How did they... Oh, so I was fucking writing out a fucking... Oh, you did a post? Po- no, not a post, a um, goodbye thing to it, to everyone. So you got paramedics to me ASAP. Uh, it just so happened as a paramedic, paramedic not real close by. <laughs> yeah, it not be funny, right? You've accomplished a lot in your life. You're pretty shit at killing yourself. I oh, know. <laughs> I'll give you an F. I was I'll give you a hard F on this one. <laughs> so, yeah, I was lucky, mate. Um, and well, you are mani- lucky, mate. I'm lucky. I'm lucky I got you as a mate now. Yeah. Instead, you know, it could have been fucking... And they managed to square me away um, and save my life. Fucking hell, mate. Um, All right, how'd the third one go? No, I didn't do it. Ah, right, nice. So this is where Rock to Recovery reached out to me. Right. Jamie Sanderson. Um and Rock so to Recovery. Like Rock to Rock to Recovery. Rock to Recovery, yeah. It's Jason Carl Fox's and Jamie Sanderson's charity. They reached out to me. I went down there. And do you know what? I didn't really know what to expect going down there because I thought, you know, NHS, but same bullshit. I can fucking ask questions. What have I got to lose? Cause so I thought, fuck yeah, I'll go along. So I went along, mate. First session. 
come out of there in London, Piccadilly Circus, mate, fucking felt completely different. Is that because they were military? Yeah. They got you. Yeah, yeah. And as I started to go back, they knew my kids' names, they knew my missus' name, they fucking knew about my life, mate. They they actually, it was like they were listening, they actually took interest in actually, you know, they want me to get better rather than giving me that title. The, the thing with the HNS, mate, I, I feel they treat the title, not the person. If you put a thousand people in a room that all got post-traumatic stress, you're all going to be different. Of course. You're not all the same, mate. So treat the person, not the illness. Yeah. Like you and me are going to have a very different experience to someone who got raped yeah. or someone who was abused by a family member or someone yeah. who was abused by a stranger. It's like there's so yeah. many different... New- the mind is nuanced, mate, but sorry, continuing. So, yeah, but, um, and then I said, well, I knew I needed to get better then. I started caring about my kids. Um... Yeah, I started caring about the kids, and I actually wanted to change then. I wanted to change. I wanted that positive change in my life. And that's when um, Ollie Alton reached out to me uh, with Breakpoint. So you came out, you came out. You got put in touch with, um, with, with uh, from Food Rock to Recovery, and then Ollie, Ollie got in touch. You've been posting on social media. Yeah. Yeah, so Ollie see the post on my social media and reached out to me. But I started posting. Um, I was posting to help people out. thought, you know, if I'm going to, kill myself i'll post about my issues and hopefully you know what i thought was when i die people are going to see these posts and maybe take fucking action mm. maybe you know, start helping veterans out um and it slowly then turned into posting about my emotions so my family could read it because i couldn't have a conversation with my family like we are now mm. i'd get awkward start fucking twitching and mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no i just couldn't i couldn't do it because i felt weak still so what I'd do is I'd blog on my Instagram so my family could read about the issues I was going through that way. Because, you know, a lot of people can't have those conversations, but there are other means to talking to people, like blogging. I said to a to a veteran not long ago, just blog, mate. If you can't talk to people, blog. People will read it. You can talk to a piece of paper yeah. or, a, or a computer screen. You know, yeah. There are other ways of getting your story out there Absolutely. to your family. If you can't sit down and have a conversation because you feel weak still, then talk in a, in a, by other means. Um, so yeah, I started talking, you know, doing that, um, blogging and Ollie reached out to me and said, why don't you come down to one of our events and, uh, and see what we do. And that kind of went from there really. Um, and I've been there ever since. Yeah. Well, t- tell us a little bit about Breakpoint then, mate. We got, we got five minutes here. We're going to have you, we're, you're coming back in January. We're going to do a uh, second, second edition in January because you're going to be living down the road. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, Bre- so yeah, so just, uh, I just, um, so yeah, we'll finish up. We'll talk about uh, talk a bit about Breakpoint, and then when you come back in, um, we'll talk about um, a lot of other stuff that's going to lead on the back of this because I know people are going to have a lot of questions. So uh, you're going to be thirty minutes away, so you have to be a reg- regular contributor to the podcast. Yeah, and to uh, to my section. So Breakpoint's mission statement is to create a globally identified brand recognised for the positive growth and development of others. He's not reading that, by the way. He fucking smashed that off the top of his head. <laughs> so that's um, so that's basically to. To, to help the growth of others, mate. We put people into stressful positions. Uh, and by the say, but when I say stressful positions, I mean like abseiling things outside your comfort zone. If we sit inside our comfort zone for the rest of our lives, we don't know who we are, and other people don't know who you are. Say that again, mate, because that's really important. Say that again. If you sit inside your comfort zone for the rest of your life, you will not know who you are. That's brilliant. It's only when you're taken out your comfort zone that you really know who you are and you know your true potential. Now, by us putting you into a stressful position outside your comfort zone, we're showing you who you really are. We're showing you what your full potential is. We're showing you how strong you are. You know, I mean, me going back to Breakpoint again and fucking abseiling and fast roping, 
being put into those, you know, not because I've not been parachuting or, you know, I don't have to go parachute now. I don't get told to jump out. So I'm like, I ain't fucking doing it. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's no red light, green light no more. Yeah. But now I'm at breakpoint and I have to do that stuff. Yeah. I'm now seeing who I was. Yeah. I'm well, seeing, no, I, so you still are. I, who I am, yeah. yeah. So I'm seeing. I'm still that guy I was in the army. I'm still that strong. I've still got Well, that. actually stronger because you've actually overcome more adversity yeah. since then. I've still got that mindset. I'm still strong. And I also, um, what I'll go into is I've got a morning routine now mm-hmm. and I strongly advise everybody that listens to this, get into a morning routine of meditation and mentors or affirmations. Mm-hmm. Meditation, I feel, is best you know it's done in the morning say your affirmations out loud to yourself or in your head mm-hmm. and believe them dude i got one i go i'll be i'll go public on the record right this because i'm i'm doing it right now but as a kid goes back to a childhood again i have never enjoyed pissing in public my mates all know this i've yeah. never enjoyed it so i recently i've started saving myself so i'll go pissing now and i'll go i enjoy pissing in public yeah i enjoy pissing in public. sounds weird i know some of you listening now might have a sneer about that i don't give a fuck because it's my shit not your shit you know whatever yeah but um that there's it can change changes the wiring me yeah so so tell people what an example of an affirmation would be for you i love myself that's a great one like one of the ones I, I heard it's simple but it's powerful yeah. I, you are enough i am enough yeah i love myself yeah. i love you look in the mirror looking in the mirror too look oh. in the mirror and saying looking yourself in the eye and say i love i love you or i love also, myself i'm present in every moment that's a good one yeah that's what i always tell myself i'm present in every moment yeah well i could tell you present dude like yeah i, I could tell everyone you know we've come down today you haven't been going on your phone or anything like that and to be honest i'm noticing that with a lot more people now i think people are starting to get into that but like the the power of affirmations, whether you write it, I I think you should write it and say it out loud. Cover your fucking bases. Yeah. Um, cover your bases. Write them down. It's like writing lines in school. You know that there's actually, you know, there was a good idea behind that kind of you know thing that they made people do. And yeah, think but think about think about what you really want. Just if you just say like I'm going to be a millionaire, you know, maybe you're better off saying something like. I will be the I will be the greatest footballer in oh, the world. Oh, they've got to be believable. You got they got to be they got to be. But you should and they should start with just things like love. If you love yourself, this is gonna. I never thought I'd be in a position of saying this. If you love yourself, anything is possible. If you don't love yourself, you will never be happy. Well, the other thing is, well, mate, if you can't love yourself, you can't love other people. True. If I don't love myself, how can I love my kids? How can I love my wife? What What you will do instead is you will look for other people to love you, and then when they don't because you don't love yourself, you will then resent them. Yeah. Fucking mic drop. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but so- mate, like, yeah, we got so much fucking more to talk about, mate. Um, let's forget, mate. It's been fucking awesome, man. Uh, this is probably I've got, I got like, um, I think to be honest, if I hadn't got emotional doing the documentary yesterday, I think I would have got quite emotional today because your story there, mate, it's fucking moving. Yeah, that's uh, it's moving. I'm gonna give you a hug when we got off the camera. So uh, <laughs> I'm warning you right now, so put your knob away. Um, Mate, fuck yeah. That was, a, that was emotional. This is one of the best episodes we've done. I really enjoyed this. Um, but like I said, you're going to be a regular contributor now you're down the road because you have yeah. no fucking excuse not to come in. M- Peter makes a fantastic fucking brew in here. For one thing, this has been mega coffee. And I can drive again in two weeks. You can drive again in two weeks. We got the fucking... We got Choo Choo <laughs> Train. We got Choo Choo Train. We got Direct Line. Where can people find Breakpoint? Where can people find you? So if you go across to breakpointuk.co.uk, um, and look at the events there. We've got events coming up next year. The event's going to be broken down into stages. So we got Module 1 and Module 2, which is one-day events. And then we got Mission UK, Mission UK at the end of it. Um, the, the, you've got to do the Module 1 and 2 to be able to do the mission. We're going to have like surveillance, urban, and rural missions. 
Um, so and, they're, and they're, they're fucking, it's going to be awesome this year. But get yourself booked onto it because it's going to be fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, better be rammers as well. Oh, mate, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, we have a lot of good people. And we have all, you know, we have people from all walks of life on there. You don't have to be fit. You meet you, you meet new people as well. You meet new friends because, like, let's be honest, you're a vet. A veterans, we can be we can be bad at just sticking around with yeah. other veterans. You'll meet other people from different industries that's gonna benefit your life full stop. Um well, yeah, it's awesome, they, they all, it's nice to see that people that come on our breakpoint events, they actually stay in their little tribe and they do, go out and do a lot of things together. They get themselves at the hill on, on Penny Fan. So we, we create these little tribes. Yeah. Well we don't create them, they create it themselves, but we just bring you them facilitate to facilitate it. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really nice to see that we we do that for people, and it's helping people out a, a lot as well. You mate, know, people come to us that got mental health issues, and we can talk we all, to them. Which we all have. And here's the thing, mate. Right, we, all of us. Were well, you listening right now? You might not think that this applies to you, but it does. We all feel better about ourselves after we've gone through something challenging. You just don't think that you do because you haven't been through it. But I guarantee you that once you do, you come through something hard physically and mentally. You will feel better about yourself. You will feel better about everything else around you. And the friends that you make going through mental challenge, this is why, like, you know, I talk about the firm, my brothers in arms. This is why you have these these bonds for life with people you're at war with because you went through something mentally and physically challenging. Yep. You, but you can recreate that to an extent yeah. in the UK. Yeah, well, you're, gonna, you're all going to break mental barriers together. And that's what it's about, breaking those mental barriers, showing that, like, you, you, who, you who you are, showing yourself who you are. Mm. But you're, you know, people around you get to see who you are as well. So you get to see your true potential. These people around you, you get to see it as a group. Yeah, and it's and it's fucking lovely to see, mate. I'm all about it, mate. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, where can people find you personally on uh, on the interwebs? Dave on the gram, on the gram, on Instagram. Um, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Dave, thank you so much for coming in, mate. This no, has been, been a pleasure. Uh, one of my favourite episodes. I'm looking forward to doing some more. Let's get you to the chopper, a.k.a. train, because we're not at the level yet where we have a chopper, but we fucking will be. You will fucking, <laughs> fucking watch. One day, people are going to be, there's a veteran state of mind chopper, and it will have GPMGs in the fucking door. Yeah. Ah, oh, mate, it's pretty fucking good, mate. It's emotional. I'm going to get down to the fucking gym now, take some positive action. Um, I love all you guys for listening. I really do. And uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheerio, bye. Yeah. Listen. Shout out teaser. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't break my heart. You told me you were sorry, and yeah, my whole world fell apart. You said it's not my fault, and yeah, I've never done you wrong. I'm grinding to a halt now, I can see you're moving on. I promised I'd get better, and I told you things would change. You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same. I've gotta let you go now, live your life and spread your wings, and yeah, you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings. And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain, or maybe you should thank me. It's your loss and my gain. I'm leaving now forever, I won't hang my head. And shame, but yeah, you've taken me for granted, and you should feel ashamed. You sold a dream to all of us, a dream that we'd all die for. A reason for us all to live and something we could fight for. I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn, but no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle, yeah. Life's hard, I know that. Still wouldn't change shit. I wouldn't go back, yeah. I wouldn't go back. Feelings I hold back. Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose